Welcome to your Sanity Safe Space, the call-in show where you decide the topic. From love chat for Matt to the hate in your heart. I can't believe it. There are no limits. You can be nice. I love legends. You can be mean. I don't give a fuck. Or you can blow it all up. Every Wednesday at 9, it gets crazy when you get their number and you can call them maybe. And now, here they are, Matt Christensen and Blonde. Hello and welcome to the show. It is the call-in show, the show where you get our number and we are at your mercy. Hello, Blonde. Hello. You know, in... um. Uh, a year of news where it's hard to find enjoyment and encouragement, especially uh, during a presidency where it's hard to find anything to praise. I finally saw it. Was it yesterday? I take it you saw the the, the bird shitting on Biden while he was talking about Putin's price hike. One of the great moments in recent history. Uh, a lot of metaphorical value. <laughs> I don't, did anybody find the bird? Can we give that bird a Congressional Medal of Honor? Or Medal they of tested Freedom, it for rabies whatever it is, whatever the, the medal that Congress it. gives. I forget. They, the, <laughs> you're talking about bird rabies? Sorry. Yeah, bird rabies. Uh, give it the fox treatment. It probably will end up in the same grave. I don't think birds can get rabies. What do they get? Uh, avian flu or something? I don't know. Whatever not, makes some um, them kill all the chickens in the United States right before they cut off supply lines. Whatever. Uh, yeah, that's a very underrated story, isn't it? Odd. Yeah. Uh, we have a chicken disease that requires five whatever million of them to be slaughtered no. unsafe for consumption i take it very odd hmm. i'll put all that chicken in my freezer i don't give a fuck i'll i'll, I'll, I'll risk it <laughs> yeah. hey if the chicken prices go back to what they used to be i'll take a chance or two uh anyway uh, Are most you a of frequent you, chicken eater yeah it's yeah definitely mm. um chicken mostly like chicken turkey uh fish not a lot of red meat sometimes you, though you gotta get beef pilled man uh, it's all right. I'm not a hater. It's just I don't eat a ton of it. You know, steak every night, man. Steak every night. I like. Uh, I I rarely eat just like a, a steak itself, but like um, steak and eggs or steak in a burrito. Ugh. Great. I'm not anti-steak. It's just I don't want justice. Uh, this is a that's a, a Jordan Peterson thing. I thought you're anti. You don't just sit no, down. No. And, I don't eat only steak. Uh, but I do eat a lot of steak. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not anti-steak, but. Uh, it's just not a common, commonly consumed thing for me. Plus, who the hell can afford that in this economy? I know. I know. Anyway. Uh, Wait, one more tangent. I forgot to tell you. So we just finished Yellowstone. Oh. And I couldn't figure out who this hot, slutty barrel racer looked like. So oh, yeah. much yeah. like Michaela Peterson, that girl. But she, uh, kinda. But she's also, what's his face's daughter? Who? Uh, Isn't she like Brolin's, Josh Brolin's daughter or something like that? Is she really? I think she is, yeah. Huh. She's the daughter of a famous actor. I forget which one. Real fine. Uh, which, oh, oh, wait, wait, wait. You're talking about the one from, without spoiling, the one from Texas or the one. No, the blonde that is going to bang Lloyd. Oh, but then that she bangs. one. That yeah. one. Yeah. Uh, I thought you were talking about the other two who, who are, you know. Are oh, the in girl with the, with the big chin, the handsome that's one is the, Josh Brolin's that, daughter. That's the one. That makes sense. They look alike. Gotcha. 
All right. Uh, well, you guys know how the call-in show works, uh, but if you are new and you're curious about how to participate, there are instructions for how to do so in the description of whatever video platform you may be viewing on. If you would like to participate in the show, but you can't do it live or you're having trouble getting in live, you can always send us an email question as well. The one and only place to do that is on the contact page of the website. That's mattchristensenmedia.com slash contact look for the call-in show question form we'll get to those to end the show we'll stop every half half hour to catch up with your super chats as well other than that we're ready to go on uh on calls anything else before we hop in nope all right first up is uh stupendous jimbo jimbo are you there hello there can you hear me yes sir what's on your mind right Uh, an upgrade from last week i i do apologize about last week i was on mobile uh, I, were you the I think you were the caller last week someone ahead of you hyped you and said that uh, you were gonna have interesting oh. things to say oh, but yeah, then we you weren't were able talk to talk some shit or something either that or you were going to oh. praise blonde or it was something that blonde was going to appreciate but then the, the technical issues got in the way we didn't get to hear it oh my goodness uh I've I'm not I can't say about that but um okay I'll start with the joke um during the waiting room they're talking about how you know, some guy was talking about how, like, a mosque was going to be built in his community, you know, scaring him. And, you know, they're taking over. So I was thinking, well, maybe he should change his name to Matthew Muslimson. <laughs> uh, <laughs> all right. Hey, uh, I'm not sure I even get that one, but all right. It's pretty good. Uh, I apologize. That's a terrible <laughs> joke. How are you doing, sir? Yeah. I, I am well. I see why you were hyped. This is exactly, it's exactly what we were told about. <laughs> Um, oh gosh no on. i'm not i'm not trying to put you on the no spot pressure, it's, no it's pressure. Just... anyway um <laughs> all right so what 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 are your thoughts what's on your mind well um i wanted to uh express uh, my deep appreciation for you over the past uh year or so since i assembled on your youtube channel that you've been a very well reliable source of news not just news but you're also citing documentation which is a breath of fresh air. And I really want to show my appreciation for you. Oh, well, thank you. I appreciate that. Um, yeah. And, and uh, you know, th- th- I appreciate you saying that because it's important to me too to, to uh, show that source stuff because a lot of times people just make claims or say things and you don't know where they got it. Um, and oh. that's not to say that they're wrong, but sometimes someone will say something and you think, well, what's, where did that information come from? You want to go find it. It's mm-hmm. nice to have it uh readily available so that's one thing that I, I i try to make a point to do and i appreciate your recognition of it oh uh, it it's my entire job like um i'm in the military and i actually work in intel so whenever we're uh making briefs and everything to captains admirals or colonels uh generals sometimes we have to have all of our sources on hand mm-hmm. we're gonna say oh we think this is gonna happen this is what this uh this is what this dynamic is looking like. Uh, and a lot of times they want to ask, oh, where'd you get this from? Where'd you get that from? That's like their number one question. So yeah. we got to make sure we have this on point. So it's just, it is a breath of fresh air. Um, well, thanks. I appreciate that. Military intel. That is, uh, yeah. I'm sure there are uh, lots yeah. of interesting things you could tell us, but you're probably not at liberty to, I'm guessing. Uh, well, I mean, yeah. Um, well, um, I, without going into detail, I can share a, uh, well, not, I'm not going to really share anything I'm not supposed to do, uh, but <laughs> confidential that yeah, or classified, classified info, please. That's what I'm looking for. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Okay. So, um, yeah. Uh, 
blonde's a spy and I'm here to out her. Okay. Well, um, that uh, that surprises nobody, that, but okay. I'm, um, so here we are. I can yeah. confidently tell you that I do not believe at all that we're heading to World War Three. Okay. Fact, I am confident that Russia is. Oh, they basically just showed how underwhelming their entire forces were when they started this campaign, hmm. and in my opinion. Vladimir Putin single-handedly doomed his country and is 100% his fault. Hmm. Okay. Uh, that, I, so you think, uh, what, how long do you think this conflict is going to drag on? Are we uh, in for something long or are we, is this going to kind of fizzle out soon? That depends on uh, Putin, on um, how long Putin is going to. You got to realize this is a man whose entire legacy, entire life was ratched on the idea of reclaiming the ancient lands. Hmm. Um, whenever, like ever since the fall of the USSR and he comes to power, you know, he made one promise to the people, I will take these lands back. Um, and initially we believed, so the initial mindset was that Ukraine was supposed to, like according to like how things were supposed to play out, Ukraine was supposed to just, you know, just get out of the way, let the tanks roll in, go take Kiev and all that. But unfortunately, Putin got very prideful. He gave Zelensky an entire like month heads up saying, hey, we're coming. And Zelensky's all like, he's kind of, I'm not going to say he's, you know, he's kind of crazy. So do you train all, when you train all of your civilians in uh, guerrilla tactics um, and they really don't want to lose their country and you accidentally put yourself in a Vietnam situation, it's... Uh, yeah, it, 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 by day by day four, they had a scheduled press release like that accidentally came out talking about how their plans were to. We finally took we finally took uh, Ukraine. We're going to get Belarus. We uh, we got the ancient lands back. Um, even though by day four they're getting their their heat kicked in, hmm. and the Ukrainians were actually putting up a fight. So three hours later, that article disappeared. Hmm. Okay. So, the um, the only other question I, I have quickly uh, is on Sunday we were uh, we we circled back on this story before the war broke out there was that claim by Ned Price the the uh, State Department <clears throat> spokesman that Russia was going to do a false flag video to justify the war later uh, this last week information came out intel officials speaking with nbc saying yeah we more or less just made that up to put that out into the public to mess with putin um is that a common thing in your (laughs) experience just making things up and putting it out in the public or is that uh, maybe you don't know maybe military intelligence is different from the intelligence community they're talking about but do you have any insight on that uh me working making stuff (laughs) oh so your entire credibility is attached to you. If you get caught, and this is just on our side of things, if we, I were to make an assessment, um, if I were to go tell like an animal, it is going to snow just just randomly. But okay, okay, uh, just out of nowhere. Uh, okay, hypothetically, let's say Kiev is going to fall. If I were to say they are going to take Kiev. And I don't have anything to back that up. And then it doesn't happen. Suddenly, every time I go up there, we don't trust the thing you say anymore. Hmm. Sort of kind of. So they they have to trust you before yeah. they put it out to the public. 
I suppose. Well, let's just say there's a good reason <laughs> y'all don't trust CNN or NBC yeah, yeah. or Fox I, or anything. I suppose I'm kind of asking a different question, too, because I'm sure if you're presenting to military leadership, there's probably a degree of accountability placed on you that is not placed on, say, um, Intel community PR in D.C., you know? <laughs> yeah. Um, um, I'm just guessing. I don't know. I don't have any insider information, but. Uh, basically, uh, yes. Uh, when I'm talking to them, they will, they, they are feel, uh, there's a sense of reliability yeah. attached to, you know, where I'm at, you know, who I'm representing and all that stuff. So yes, um, they would for the most part, take my word for it hmm. until proven otherwise, but there is a big degree of pride and making sure you've got your facts straight. Whenever yeah. you say stuff, I, I, I mostly pay attention to China. Uh, well, yeah, I suppose maybe that's uh, maybe we're supposed to be, and this is all a distraction and we're not, but I, I will have to let you go. I, I, I hate to be um, abrupt because I could talk to you about this stuff for quite a while, but um, yeah, you're, gotta, that's all right. got to keep it moving. And I, I appreciate the kind words. Thank you as well. Yeah. Well, before, before you let me go, let me tell mm-hmm. you how I appreciate you. Uh, a couple weeks ago, I sent you a picture of my dog, Okana, and you responded. And I, I appreciate that. Oh, thanks. Yeah, I try, I try to keep on top of my email, and sometimes I miss messages here and there. So for anybody listening, don't be discouraged if I do miss your email. Um, but I oh. try to be I try to be uh, available in that way. So thanks for emailing as well. I'm glad I called you before you got super famous. Uh, <laughs> that day's coming for sure. <laughs> Thank you. At the Anna. rate you're going, I I don't doubt it. Uh, well, um, baby steps. You gotta you gotta take baby steps before you can run, right? No, um, I, and I appreciate. Blonde and I have always said you, you we have this nice little niche community where yeah. we we ha- kind of have what we have, but we're under the radar enough that we don't have a ton of the heat, and that's kind of where I like to live. You know, I know, it's, I do. I anyway. I don't really have ambitions for making this much bigger. Anyway, you'll um, know you got big when you start getting swatted. Yeah, exactly. I don't. I don't yeah, want that. Yeah, that sounds terrible. I don't want that. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Jimbo. Yeah. Appreciate it. You have a wonderful day. Let's see. Oh, I gotta get my Discord set up here. Um, man, Ed, he he. What a what a very nice uh, young man. At least he yes. sounded young. But he was uh, intro. I was expecting spicy. Like the the person introducing him last week was saying he yeah. was gonna have some hot take of some kind. Not that he didn't. It was interesting things, but. Not at all what I expected. Military intel analyst. Interesting. I know. I thought he was he was going to be meaner. You know. Yeah, I was. I was prepped for some something shocking, some sort of attack or something. Anyway, uh, Jimny's up next. Jimny, are you there? Uh, get a sex shop. Get my pad with a hole. Whoa! In the and- Stop. Ah, okay. No. Ah. Hey. <laughs> We're through. Yeah, I just have to tell you to shut up before you say something you don't want to. Oops. Yeah. No, nah, I never say anything I don't want to. Well, there you go. That's one strategy. Yeah. Uh, yeah. What's on your mind? What's happening? I oh, you know, just hanging out, going through uh, some of your old videos and trying to start from the beginning and work my way up to the is, Sunday show. Why is everyone doing this? Please stop. I'm a little out of date. But, For the love uh, of God, no stop. Ones. All right. No, it, it is really good. Like, Blonde, I understand you're pregnant now. So, you know, fingers crossed it's a boy. Matt, I heard you started dating someone. So I wouldn't hold out hope for it. It's probably not going to go anywhere. But Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Things are really changing. Yeah, we'll see what happens as we go through the shows. But, You're um, talking about just the like, just the um, just our show, not my individual just material. The Sunday one. Yeah, 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 just the Sunday show. Hmm. Slowly making my way through them. 
But yeah, came in, I was going to do some love chat for Matt. Might still do a quick one, but I had some hate in my heart. I just I had to let out. Okay. So I listened. It's come up quite a bit, but Tim Paul. Oh, I thought it was love hate for us. Is, right. Go go ahead. God, it pisses me off how clueless he is sometimes, though. I don't know. I don't watch his content. What what specifically? Okay, so the other day he's talking about um, the usual transgender bullshit and how crazy it's getting and how they're teaching. It was about the Don't Say Gay Bill and, you know, how it's caused fucking World War Three among the perpetually triggered. And um, But he's saying, like, anytime he talks about someone being trans or someone doing some weird deviant sex shit, he's always like, hey, man, if you want to do you, go and, you know, do that in your own room and it's fine. And, hey, man, I think that's great. You be you. And then he starts going, I don't understand how we got this right. I'm like, it's from dickheads not shaming them and saying, hey, man, that's awesome. You be you. Just go and do your own thing. The second we remove shame. The second we tell these people, no, you should stay in your fucking basement and never tell anyone about that. As soon as we start, it's because they've been told, hey, man, that's awesome that you want to stick a horse's dick on your fucking head and go walk through a (laughs) kindergarten. Like, it's because they're getting told that, that they're getting out of control. Yeah. They need to be shamed. It's it's hard to deny the truth of that because I would consider myself, um, I, I, I don't know if I would say any more. But at least previously of the do what you want, just leave me alone. I don't know if I would have um, praised it and I don't know if Tim has praised it, but but it, it, there's no denying the connection. And as I'll always bring the reference back to, I used to laugh at Rick Santorum years ago saying that gay marriage was going to lead to dog marriage and a whole bunch of other horribles because it didn't oh, seem wow, like it logically right. followed. And I don't know if we've reached dog marriage status yet, but we're closer than ever. And the sequence is undeniable uh, to me. It doesn't necessarily logically follow that one has to go and see, but you're totally right that there's uh, that these, I think that these concepts are built on, on one another. Once you legitimize one, there's a next step that has to be taken. Always. There's never any stopping. If you learn anything about progressivism, there is no end point. It goes yep. forever. There is always a new struggle, a new oppression, a new deviancy to be legitimized. They never stop. Yeah. It's the attitude itself, though, because I noticed this in the last uh, um, Crowder Change My Mind video hmm. where he's asking, what the hell is this guy in the crowd doing? And the uni student he's talking to just goes, he's, he's just doing him. He's just – and this whole attitude of, yeah, man, you just do you. That is exactly what has caused this shit because if you're not shaming – like things that should be kept in the basement need to be shamed until they stay there. The second they start seeing daylight and they're being affirmed for what they're doing – the next step is to either start a group that pressures people to accept and then celebrate or force government to do something about it if they won't. Yeah. And I mean, I hear you, but these people, use. they're not susceptible to the same kind of uh, shame measures that others of us would be. Public shaming works for everyone. But the thing with the government, like, I get that, yeah, you don't want to use government control, but the fact is there is government power. And if you don't use it to ensure your freedom to do anything is enshrined, then someone will use it to restrict your freedom to have an opinion about it. Yeah. I would like to deny that premise, but well, I'm saying in theory, I would like to, (laughs) I I would like to believe that we could all agree on the concept of just being left alone. And then I'd like to believe pedos won't come into schools. I know. Force of the government. I know. And that's, that's how I was sold into this. And if the premise presented to me today was, 
we just want to be left alone, even if you think what we're doing is weird shit. All right, fine, fine. I'll leave you alone. But to your point, that's never been that's never been an acceptable deal. Now it's you must allow us to indoctrinate your kids' school. You're gonna have to see our parade and clap. And if you don't clap, yeah. then you're gonna be shamed on social media for your lack of clapping or whatever else. The if you don't clap enough. Yeah, exactly. The the leave me alone deal has never been actually bought into, even though that's the deal I was sold on, and that's the deal I would like to uphold. I can't sit here and tell you that it's worked out. <laughs> like that clearly has not. Uh, it's gotten it ever more insane. From, um, I think it also comes from the fact that all these people are complete narcissists and they crave social attention. Yeah. And the reason they need government to actually get involved is because if they're just being left alone to do their thing, they're not having their narcissistic urge fed. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, it's it's a constant need for validation and. Um, if there's one thing that I've learned in my life experience, I have never needed external validation less than after I built a family. Basically, yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I, the, the, there's an inverse correlation between satisfaction and stability in your life and need for, say, social media or other social validation. I recognize that what I do as a job is somewhat social media like, but it's not mm-hmm. just, you know, posts of my breakfast saying, Everybody look at me for five seconds. You know, you come and you go. And if you want to watch the videos and talk about it, that's great. But but um, but yeah, to the You're point not chasing that, the dopamine dragon. Yes. In fact, in fact, I have, like, I, I have to look away from that stuff. I, I I because everything is so screwy on YouTube and elsewhere. I, I don't want to see video stats and likes and all these things. I just want to do what I do and, and be hide my brain from that because I know how. Once you get hooked on thinking you have to have this many likes or you have to have this much engagement or you have to achieve this stat to be satisfied, you're setting yourself up for disappointment. And yeah. that's true whether you're, you're requiring, making. Yeah. You're requiring you're, someone else's behavior to validate how you Exactly. Feel. And whether you're making YouTube videos in some sort of quasi professional way or you're just making Instagram posts to see how many of your friends like it. When you get caught up in that numbers obsession. Yeah. It's you, you inevitably end up unhappy. And so yep. uh, yeah, I, I hide from that stuff in my own brain. Um, mm-hmm. But I don't, I also, I don't even post pictures really of like our family or anything on my personal social media because right. I just, I just don't, I don't care. Like I'll send pictures to my family if they want it, but I don't need some rando from high school's validation uh, of mm-hmm. my family. I don't care. No, fair. Look, um, I'll quickly, guys, leave a quick little love chat thing. Cause I can't do a call without leaving that now. Um, I'll quickly say double text. Never, ever double text. The girl has either mm. seen your message and chosen not to respond, or she didn't see your message and will get back to it at some point. Either That's way, true. if you send a double text, when she gets it, she'll see a desperate double text that she that now makes you look weaker. Yeah. Or you send a double text, which she already chose not to respond to the first one, which in which case you look weaker. So never double text. Send it, leave it. If she gets back to you, great. Otherwise, give it a few days and re-engage. Have you ever rewarded a double texter, Blonde? Uh, yeah. Really? So it does happen? Yeah, but I was going through this phase where I was like, maybe I'm just trying to date men that are too attractive. Hmm. And so I changed my behavior. It didn't what? work out. Uh, the guy was too attractive that double texted you? I don't understand. No, 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 no. I, I went to this phase where I was like, the guys I'm dating are perhaps too attractive. Maybe I will meet a nicer guy 
if oh. I date ugly men. And it turns out that they were dicks too. So, <laughs> but when I decided to date ugly men, I was like responding to, be- I was rewarding behavior that I otherwise would not have. I see. Well, I can verify in my own experience, Jiminy, that you are right. That um, uh, I have double texted and I'm not proud of it and it has never worked out for me. But then again, a lot of things with women never worked out for me except for the only one that did and that's all I needed. So Yeah, that is so all tempted. you need. Yeah. So I'm to say something non-PC right now, but um, yeah, I'll do a proper phone. As though this is a I was just going to say including anal. But um, yeah, I'll do a proper phone call at some point when I talk about phone game. <laughs> Okay. But I'll get you. I really want to see this yeah, Gaylord Steam Bath guy get in. He's quite a way down the list. So all right, all right, Gaylord Steam Bath. We will uh, try to hustle up to get to Gaylord. Okay, thank see you. you guys. Okay, next up is Adam. Redeemed, Adam. Are you there? Uh yes. Adam. Oh, there we go. Yeah, what's on your mind? I uh, just want to say God bless to you both and to your oh, children. Well, thank you. You thank as well. Thank you. I uh, just wanted to talk about one of your most uh, recent videos, Matt, the one mm-hmm. on guns. Uh, sure, yeah. Uh, so it, in your last video, you were saying that it just seems that Biden has taken the initiative to just decree what he wants and make it law. Yeah. He just told his ATF agents to just write some new regulation. Mm-hmm. And you were saying that that was a violation of the Constitution. Mm-hmm. Um. And you would agree that um, you care about what the Constitution says, but these people are actively just not, they just don't care. Uh, Yeah, I generally agree with those premises. Right. But whenever people talk about the Constitution, the the things they always cite are the Ten Amendments. Mm -hmm. They never talk about like the rest of it, talking about like senators being voted in or representatives or what have you. So, and the Ten Amendments themselves were just tacked on last minute to the Constitution to get the white uh, Christians to to go along with the whole scheme. Okay. Well, in the same way it was the Ten Amendments are an afterthought, the way our laws are set up in America, the the majority of the people don't actually get to express their will. And even uh... when they do, you have judges come in and just veto laws that they put on the books. Well, I don't, I don't understand how that, how is that the proper application of the constitution though? Or is that what you're saying? Uh, what I'm saying is that when it comes to the, the will of the people, mm-hmm. like the things that people like are the 10 amendments. And I, I, I the wouldn't way agree the constitution with that is set up is to go against the, the will of the people by hook or by crook be it the president or judges just reinterpreting the constitution as they see fit. I, I, I wouldn't agree with that premise because the 10th reserves almost all, all power to the states and to the people. Yeah, but you, well, you haven't, uh, like, let's say some of these states where uh, the people can actually vote to put a law into the books. Yeah. Um, was it uh Massachusetts, I believe, back in the day where they're voting to say, like, gay marriage is not a thing. I'm sure it could have been. It's probably a while back in Massachusetts. But yeah, it, it's um, uh, we can take yeah. the hypothetical regardless. Right. And then you had a Supreme Court judge come in like the very next week and say, well, I don't care what the people of Massachusetts said uh, in my interpretation of the Constitution. 
the the will of the people in the state doesn't matter. We're striking this law from the books. Yeah, it's the same thing in California when they I think it was Proposition 187 to reduce welfare to non-citizens. So why are those not Massachusetts and California problems for Massachusetts and California citizens to solve? Well, they were. They the uh, citizens of those states tried to solve it, but then you had judges at different levels in the government come in and say these laws that the citizens voted in, you can't have them. We're striking. I mean, I, I can agree with these the premise that maybe the Constitution. Maybe the well, again, the question would be in the original design, is that federal constitution supposed to apply to the states in that way? But even well, if they're poor decisions by judges, why is that the fault of the constitution, not the judge? Sorry, say that last part again. So if the if we agree to the premise that these judges are making incorrect decisions or applying the constitution incorrectly or just inserting their own will. Right. If I if I'm following you, you're saying that's a that's because of a fault in the constitution or is that because of the judge? No, that's the way the constitution is set up. These judges are basically miniature kings. They can by fiat create new laws. Well, even that it doesn't even, really even. I, I agree right. that in practice it's kind of turned out that way, but even that is debatable. the The whole concept of judicial review was sort of created by the Supreme Court itself in in Marbury versus Madison, and a lot of people don't even think that that's correct. That it was never supposed to be the case that courts could just strike down laws. It was supposed to be some cooperation mm -hmm. between the three branches, at least at the federal level, and you'd see some uh, replication yeah. of this at the states, but. But I, there's nothing. Let's put it this way. There's nothing in the Constitution that says that the courts have the final word on everything. We've just kind of done that. We've kind of accepted that. Uh, you would be correct. It wasn't actually in the Constitution. And you would be correct that the judges created this precedent and we've just been going along with it since. Yeah. But um, the room for just reinterpreting the Constitution, uh, that's been going on a long time since the very beginning. Of course, I'm not I'm not under any um, illusions that what's happening today is the first time it's ever happened. But um, but I think what is to, to hear a president get up at the podium and speak so brazenly about it in the way that Joe Biden does, I think is important for people to to see and to understand. Mm -hmm. I well, I uh, as a Christian, I say, you know, God gives us the leaders we deserve. Yeah. And yeah. considering the state of America, Joe Biden is the leader we deserve right now. <laughs> yeah. there, there might be some truth to that. I, I don't think that that's completely off base. Well, uh, thank you for your time. Of course. Thanks for calling in. Have a good one. All right. You too. God bless. Thanks. Okay. We are due for a break. Uh, friends fishing with Paul over on DLive. Thanks for supporting the show. Let me get Tippy Stream going here. I'm ready to go. Uh, go for it. I think we're good on Tippy Stream. Holden Mulray, uh, he single handedly is keeping the lights on, isn't he? <laughs> Every week, Holden. Thank you, Holden. Hi, Truth Seekers. I watched Matt's segment today on Biden's war on ghost guns. It seems to me that those devices are not viable guns, they're just a clump of components. <laughs> I suppose. Yeah, they are the. Uh... Well, <laughs> I. Well, I... I thought I had a clever way to extend that metaphor. I don't. I'm just going to leave it at Holden's cleverness. Thank you for. Don't start unless you got something, Matt. Yeah. 
Um, Nicholas H has blonde. Congrats on what? I didn't do anything. My sister-in-law is the one that just had twins. Ah, are, are people speculating? Maybe that's it. I don't know. What else are you congratulating me on? Maybe that. Yeah, I assume. I don't know. Unless they know something I don't. They don't. Hmm. Uh, but thank you anyway. Congrats on me being me. Yay. Uh, uh, Alex Karras says, Matt and I should at least once make lunch. Blonde is invited, but will be ignored. She can have the leftovers. Okay. Thank you for cleaning it up. I always like the clean versions of the bit, you know, adorbs that, that John- it, it seems like the it is finally the wave has finally ended. You know, my policy on chat memes, whether I like them or not, you can't try to accost them away. You know, you can't yeah. you can't you can't put your fist. You can't slam your fist on the table and say no more. Matt and I once made love chats. Because then you'll only get more. More. It seems yeah. like the wave has kind of, I shouldn't even say this because then they'll nope, come back. Nope, dip, dip, get, dip, dip. But I, I'll just say that my appreciation for the clean version of them is is high. You know, I'm the one that has to read these. That's true. <sighs> Johnny and Jane. Dick Saxonhammer just became a father. Father six, congratulations. I did That's see so that wonderful. on Twitter. So, yeah. <clears throat> congratulations to uh, Sticks and his lovely wife. And so uh, it sounds like the baby, they had a daughter and sounds like, uh, at least as far as I've heard, everybody's healthy and happy. So that's good. Rubbing millennial should be due soon, right? It seems, uh, I, I guess, I don't know. It seems like she's been pregnant for forever. I thought that, that that announcement was forever ago. I don't know. I don't know. I'll, I'll check it out. Hmm. She, now it's Lauren Chen though. Roaming millennial is like. How many years ago that was the name? I'm just gonna. I still call you Skag. <laughs> yeah, We're back true. in the old days. And Candace yeah. Owens is pregnant too. This is what her third or second? Second in like a year. Like she got pregnant like immediately. Of the old after. Irish twins, huh? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Going yeah. with that. Andrew, since we're talking about woman, I will be proposing my girlfriend next week. She's from Brazil and not entirely based, but based on some topics. Convinced her on guns, still working on other topics i assume you're mesmerized by her giant brazilian ass and you're just trying to fill in all the details later but good for you andrew well uh yeah uh, congratulations and um and and best of luck in the uh the ideological endeavor yep uh we're good okay we will come back to your chats at the top of the hour thank you guys okay next up is um, um i'll have to just circle back with you is tom tom are you there yes i am how are you we are well. What's on your mind? Okay. Well, uh, I would prefer a question on religion, but if you want to do politics, I can do that too. Uh, well, those are very broad categories, but uh, what do you think, Blonde? Uh, I'm, we have lots of religion questions in the notes. Hmm. Maybe we should do politics, but I don't really have a preference. All right. Politics. Uh, I'm just trying to get wrap my mind around you know they always talk about a fair tax system mm-hmm. how do they define how do they define what a fair tax system is and, yeah. and you know who should pay is that a <laughs> you'd have to ask them i guess because i certainly can't well tell, but yeah okay so so i would say my guess would be that they would say well you're uh, I don't even know how to phrase it. I mean, if you're um, if you're asking me about how the to the extent that taxation is necessary, um, first of all, I don't think it's necessary at the federal level. This should be a state thing, period. Um, but 
to the extent it's necessary in your states, if I'm running my state uh, and you're talking income tax specifically, or are you talking like any kind of tax? Well, I'm, I'm talking like, well, actually for federal, there are some things, there are some functions that the federal government is supposed to to be in charge of. And oh, I agree I with that. that, that I, I just don't that, agree with income taxes, the, the revenue scheme, but. Well, yes. I mean, we had, uh, it was um, tariffs that they used for years yeah. and years up until 1913 when they, when they uh, put, brought in the, the income tax. Yeah. So, uh, you know, and then of course that, that allowed them to, to increase the size of the government because now, well, Hey, we got, we can, we could got a control on how much, uh, income we can pull from all these people instead of just yeah. having to depend on the, the tariffs. But there are some things that the federal can, can do, but mostly, yes, mostly taxes should be at the state and local level, especially especially at the local level for school boards and stuff like that. But when they talk about the, the federal level, they, they always say, uh, well, you know, you should pay your fair taxes. Well, yeah. what, what does that, what does that really mean? What, what do you, you know, ninety percent of the the rich people um, should pay, whereas the poor only pay twenty percent or nothing at all. Yeah, I, I don't see that that's fair. I mean, t- to me, the only thing that sounds quote unquote fair is treating a dollar as a dollar. Yeah, and I know no matter how much money you make, you know, people will say that that is de facto regressive because it's going to be more. Let's say a ten percent tax to someone who is is right on the poverty line is going to be significantly more consequential than a 10% tax to a millionaire. I get that. Right. But, but if we're, right. if the aim is fairness, I don't know what do you, maybe you set a threshold. If you make, if you just a dollar is a dollar above this amount, but then we're just basically doing what's already done. I, I don't, I don't know that there is a lot of fairness to be had. Um, when what we're talking about is just legitimized theft of people at gunpoint, we consider it legitimate because uh, 51% of people voted for it. I understand right. it's a necessary evil to some extent, at, potentially in states, if they want to. That's how they want to design their revenue scheme in their states. But but if that's what you go with, what is fair about taking money? What is your fair cut of money that someone else generated is the question. I just don't know if there's an answer to that. It's fundamentally unfair. Right. Yeah. And I don't know. Does it does it tie in with the uh, the social contract? Was that was that Rousseau or something was talking about the social contract that you sort of signed in to to follow all these rules and that what's good for the group is is, you know, everybody should try to support the group. But we're not a collectivist society. We have nothing in common with our neighbors anymore. So, you know, at what point do we stop paying taxes? Because we're like, it's not, yeah. it doesn't behoove me to pay into this system whereby I experience no benefit and see no direct benefit from my taxation. Yeah, exactly. And if you, and if you actually do see that, you know, if you, if, if the taxation at your local level produces excellent schools that you feel invested in, great. Or maybe in your state, it produces excellent programs, parks, whatever you feel invested in, great. When we have it in DC, you're sending money to unknown people to pay for pensions of people. You have no idea who they are, what they're doing. It's also disconnected. It seems impossible to feel satisfied with the bill that you send to DC, a timely topic because we're approaching tax day in what a couple days now. Right. Yeah. I just, I just (laughs) mailed mine the other day. Yeah. (laughs) But but truly, when are we going to stop doing this though? 
Like, when are we just going to collectively agree to stop paying taxes? The IRS is, they're already a... They're already understaffed. They can't come after all of us. And it's just so preposterous at this in this day and age when I'm experiencing 7% month-over-month month inflation. My buying power is, is markedly less than it was at this time last year. The government has put us in virtual and economic lockdown. That my tax dollars that are going to a bunch of social programs that I disagree with, should I, I should continue to contribute. It's fucking horseshit. Like, at what point are we all going to be like, mm, no, I'm not doing this anymore? Right. And, and the money is the money that we send them. The the problem is is that it's so fungible. You know, they say, okay, well, we're going to bring some new taxes so that we can improve the roads, or we're going to do this or do that. But then once the money gets there, they just spend it on whatever they want to spend it on. They don't necessarily follow what they promised. You know, spend it on roads or spend it on infrastructure. They just decide okay well now we're going to spend it on social programs instead we're going to send checks to people we're going to you know uh buy more weapons to, to oh i don't know they if there was some way that they could be all to account to to send a uh what are they supposed to audit the irs yeah you know, that would be nice You'd probably need some kind of balanced budget amendment to achieve that, too, because the other problem is you're right. Not only can they tax you and the money goes into some kind of giant slush fund to go out to whatever obligations they've created. But when that tax money is insufficient, as it is every year, they just borrow it. They just print it. They just make it up. And until there is some sort of rule there where you have to actually have a, a balanced budget in D.C., and every dollar that you spend has to be matched by a dollar, a real dollar that is taken in. There's just there's no way to correct any of this. You're just playing with other people's money. And then when when you don't have enough of other people's money, you just create it out of thin air to fill in the gaps. There's right. no accountability for for the fact that none of those numbers even match up. They're all just effectively made up. Yep. OK, mm. yeah, yeah. That sucks. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, any any final thoughts from you before we let you go? Yeah, let me just ask you a, a quick question. Is is there any I know you guys were, were probably born in the late 80s or so between my my two daughters and my son. Um, is there any music from like before you were born that you guys like that you mm. some maybe some 60s or 70s music that that you enjoy or do you think it's all garbage? Oh, no, no. There's good stuff there. I love heart. Heart is great. Um, there's there's some I hate to say it, but there's some Neil rec Young records that I really love. Uh, geez, sixties and seventies. Well, or before. I mean, maybe classical music. Is there any classical music you like? Oh yeah, I love Beethoven, Mozart. Oh yeah. Um, yeah, lots of good stuff. Pretty much everything before two thousand nineteen ninety five was hmm. was better than than after. Matt, I don't know. I'm not. I guess I wouldn't. I don't have a lot of uh, expertise. Certainly not in classical music, but even just older music. When I was growing up, uh, at least when we moved out here to Montana, there was one, basically one radio station in the small town, and all they would play is like classic rock. You know, uh, like the hits of '60s, '70s, that mm -hmm. kind of era. Yeah. So as I get older, I kind of like that music a little more. But I'm talking only like the hits of um of those like i don't know you're talking like old school aerosmith or like old school like boston or something like that you know kansas yeah, yeah. um yeah 
that kind of stuff. But I, but that's the kind of thing where I hear the hit that comes on the radio. I hear more than a feeling or something, which is a little bit later, I think, but you hear that. I know that song. I don't know like the whole record that that's on, you know, that's not like I've right. done a deep dive, but, um, but yeah, I mean, I guess I have an appreciation for the, uh, the hits, but no, 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 uh, no expertise. Okay. No, no, that's fine. I mean, we started start a segment where uh, instead of doing movie reviews or in addition to doing movie reviews, we do music reviews. Uh, yeah, I've had that idea uh, presented to me uh, maybe a, a handful of times. Uh, and I don't even... I'd have to put some thought to even how to achieve that. And I think it'd be even more polarizing than the movie <laughs> review is. You know? I agree. It might, be, it might be tough. I'd have to think about the format. But then the other thing is like, I'd probably have to replace the movie segment with that or figure out another place for it. Cause all of a sudden we'd be like uh, the pop culture review show, like the, the time traveling pop culture review and, and this, the show has totally transformed, you know? Uh, okay. Well, thanks a lot. Appreciate the thoughts. Thank you. Take care. Okay. Uh, Orwell's ghost is up next. Orwell, are you there? Yes, sir. How you guys doing? We Hi. are well. What's on your mind? Oh, well, there were a couple things. Uh, just to answer, sort of answer Adam or Dean's question earlier. Hmm. Um, just making a comment about judges and the phrase that he was probably looking for was star chambers. Um, this is sort of how uh, courts act from time to time. Hmm. Um this is how they acted in like 17th century England um, prior to the uh, uh, to the Commonwealth when Cromwell overthrew um, uh, Charles II, um, and this is sort of how the Supreme Court acts now. You know, there's star chambers who sort of like dictate law, um, kind of like what we were talking, kind of what, what you guys were talking about. But yeah. the, the thing that I was going to say is that I wanted to say to that was before I get to my like big point is um, there is a proceeding in the English bill of rights from 1688, which is technically speaking still statute or is still uh, common law that we exercise. Um, and it's clause eight again, English bill of rights, oldest bill of rights in, in world history, freedom of speech and debates or proceedings in parliament shall not be impeached or otherwise questioned in any court or place out of parliament. That's basically saying that if parliament determines that it is law, the courts have no bearing on whether or not it is constitutional or not. Interesting. That, that, that's, that is what that means. Um, uh, the court, whether or not, ultimately they determine whether or not the, pre, the executive, the head of state is the one who is meeting out law correctly or not. Yeah. not they, the, 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 the courts have no, they have no say as to whether or not the judicial system uh, or excuse me, the courts have no, no say whether or not the legislature, the legislature is properly executing oh, okay. um, their duties. I see. Cause uh, cause I, this is something that I need to think more about. Cause I, I certainly think that, that judicial oversight, specifically the Supreme courts um, and judicial review has gone so far in the way that you're describing. I think that yeah. Adam was talking about where they are effectively a super legislature lacking the yeah, accountability yeah, to the people. But if they, if judicial review is itself an overstep as in their ability to declare a law unconstitutional, even a federal one, which they yeah. certainly have jurisdiction over. 
Well, um, if they can, what, th- 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 that's the question. Real quick, Matt, that's the question. Well, if they can overstep yeah. the federal law that, 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 the, that Congress, why can't they over, why can't they say that a, um, and I know that it's written in the Constitution why they can't, mm-hmm. but why can't they just say that an amendment is illegitimate? Why can't they yeah, say that? But see, well, the, although they can, oh, they can say it because of Article One. Well, it doesn't fucking matter. It doesn't matter. They can say yeah. whatever they want because of Marbury, because because of judicial review, because of Marbury Madison. Yeah, and 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 but on the other side of it, and this is kind of the point that you're making, if the if the courts have no check on Congress, that is that is to say, Congress can pass whatever they want as law, and the court has no legitimate role to say that that law is illegitimate. Then there's what is the check on Congress? You're saying it's the executive enforcement of it. Let's say that Congress tomorrow passes a law, not a constitutional amendment, but a law that the feds are going to seize all privately owned firearms in obvious uh, contradiction to the Second Amendment. In in what you're saying is the proper way to correct that is not the Supreme Court declaring that law unconstitutional, but the, the the executive branch saying we refuse to enforce this on account of its unconstitutionality. Right. That's the check. And the problem is, is that okay. there aren't enough, there aren't enough renegades in either one of these branches. Uh, they're all, but they're, they're all a bunch of, there's just all a bunch of cathedral, you know, hacking fucks. That's, that, that's, that's what, it, that's what it amounts to. Um, hmm. I, and I really didn't want to talk about that too much. They're yeah, all a bunch sorry. Of fucking, like plutocrats and sellouts. I, it's something um, that it's obviously interesting to me philosophically. So I didn't mean to yeah, yeah, no, go no, too far into that, but. Yeah, my, my wife and I've talked about that. No, the thing I just wanted to say is, you know, just just a quick white pill. I uh, I was I was uh, chatting with uh, Martina Marcota on on uh, Twitter, and uh, she made some comment about Lizzo, and you know, Lizzo's <laughs> big fat, you know, gelatinous ass poking out of these, you know, yoga pants, and her, you know, basically murdering these yoga pants and uh, assless, you know, yoga pants and. She made a really good point. She's like, God, I'm so sick and tired of talking about Lizzo's fat, obese ass. Like, please stop talking about it. And I said, I I commented on that. And I was like, you know, my wife, it's boring. I I agree. My wife and I, ever since we started going back to church and you know, sitting in our small living room in our small house at a dining room table, again, a small dining room table uh, with no television on, saying a prayer before, you know, a prayer before dinner and not turning on the television except for like three hours a week on a Friday to like to have movie night on Friday night. Yeah. Watch television. And these are two like, these were two super, you know, millennial people like ever since we started doing that life is so much fucking better hmm. yeah um, you can reconnect with your family yeah we, like, <clears throat> like we like i don't i don't get up i don't leave the table except to like except to take my place you know it's a, a six foot walk to my to our kitchen from our dining room i don't but i but i don't go to the couch. I don't go to the bedroom. I don't like go to another part of the house or do anything until my wife is done eating. You know, we sit down, we sit there and we talk. And I, I, I think if I'm not saying that what we do is the best way to do things, but I think if more people just stop. If they, I, I this, it sounds so easy too, but if you just disconnected 
yeah. from the whole thing and, and just realize like there's a lot of really fun stuff to do if you just like sit down and listen to the person that's three feet away from you and just enjoy their company. Yeah, like my wife's like five five months pregnant now, and we're like really we're really getting excited about like you know the 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 stories we're gonna read our kid and whatever, and yeah. and and talking about like what it's gonna be like being a parent. We're really excited, and I'm I'm so sick and tired of people sitting around talking about how how shitty their lives are, like and and just how this is. Oh, it's the worst it's 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 ever gonna be. It's like okay, well that's all, probably all, also I I would say that's only if you don't believe in God. You know, it's it's just I get back to Jack Posobiec's tweet, his his tweet that like just resounds with me so hard. If the propaganda, it, it, excuse me, if the situation were hopeless, the propaganda would be unnecessary. That's hmm. true. Yeah. yeah. So it's well put. Yeah, so that's 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 my white pill to everybody. We, Go the... hang out with your family. Sit down at the dining room table. Don't get up from the dining room table until everybody's done eating. Until you've, you know, really enjoyed each other's companies. And pick one night a week to turn on the TV and read 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 your books. Read books. Well, yep. <laughs> wait. Is the point of this story that you didn't have to see Lizzo's ass, or how does Lizzo's ass? <laughs> No, that's, she's, that's, that's, she's just sorry, tired yeah. of tapping into modern culture. Yeah, no, that's, that, that, that's what that's what uh, that's what Martina Marcota was getting sick of. She's like, God, I'm so tired of people talking about Lizzo's fat fucking gelatinous okay. cellulite ridden ass. I just wanted like, to be is sure there anything interesting where that fit into the story. If it's possible that Lizzo's ass could actually fit into anything in this world. But no, uh, absolutely not. All right. Well, thank you for the call, man. And thank you for the, uh, the thoughts of uh, perspective and encouragement. Yeah. Take care. White pills all the way across the board. Come on. All guys. the best to you and your family. Bye-bye. All right. Take care. Um, I got an interruption in the stream connection. So maybe just keep oh. your eyes on the chat for me. It looks like maybe it's hanging on, but uh, it dipped out for a little while. I got the, uh, the yellow and red lights of doom and danger. Uh, but to get back to the lead, I, I can't believe I have not asked you for your thoughts yet because I know you're a big or at least uh, somewhat of a Lizzo appreciator. No, no. That was when I was pregnant and I was really fat. Oh. And then I uh, suddenly fat women. I was like, all right, you're just working with what you've got. But now that I'm not fat anymore, I'm back to hating Lizzo. Oh, okay. Uh, Well, I there are some. Even if I wanted to say something redeeming, her her songs are catchy or something like that. Um, of course, what I had to see in that photograph. Her ass accosts me. <laughs> it's, uh, it's a collision between two planets and there's a thong separating them, I think. Barely. God. Yeah. But it's out in public. She's like getting on a plane or something. And then a thought, I know. Yeah. Like you're going to sit on uh, some poor chair. That's a photo that like some paparazzi is supposed to have snapped through your window when you're taking a shower in the hotel room or something. I know. There she is. Yeah. Anyway. You know, a woman that's actually confident in her body doesn't need to show everybody her body all the time. That's true. Yeah. Uh, Anyway. Um, Okay. Oh, look who's up next is uh, it's uh, Kim. Kim, are you there? Hi, girl. Yes. Can you hear me? Yep. Yeah. Uh, thank you for the uh, photo from the theater. That was really cool. That's probably the oh. the most involved uh, meetup that that we've seen it is, so far. Truly. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. I was really glad that everyone could make it, and we had a great time. And the theater owners were super chill with 
us hanging out there. So that was a lot of fun. Cool. cool. Yeah. Well, what's on your mind? Um, well, I wanted to, no, I'm grateful for the community that you've built and everything you've done. Um, but I think a year ago you gave me, um, some advice or opinion that wasn't entirely accurate. Hmm. Um, or maybe things have changed a little bit too. Or That's not true. I only give perfect advice. Exactly. <laughs> what did I do? <laughs> Oh, it was blonde's advice. Well, then, oh, yeah, damn. I don't he leans back. Yeah, I just get to um, listen now. But about a year ago, right before Easter, um, I had called in and asking if I'm a hypocrite or having conversations in my classrooms about, you know, and kind of unintentionally indoctrinating children. Hmm. Um, and you guys were saying, like, no, like, you're fine. Like, it's, you're not indoctrinating them. You're, you know, just letting them ask questions and talk. Um, Apparently, I am indoctrinating children because I have since gotten in trouble mm. um, with my uh, administration um, for... It was only a matter of time. <laughs> <laughs> that is true. Um, and so it's kind of like, and also with the Florida, like, don't say gay bills. Like, maybe teachers should just keep their mouth shut, myself including, uh, included, but... Well, can you yeah, remind I, us and the audience kind of uh, what we're talking about? Because when people hear you say yeah. that I, I being you was indoctrinating kids, describe what you mean. Like, what were you saying to them? What were you asking them to do? What's yeah, the circumstances? So I had a couple of kids who were like discussing politics and stuff in my classroom. I usually just let them talk and they've made some comments that like, you know, Hitler is a better leader than Joe Biden. Yeah. Even more effective. Um, <laughs> that I kind of, like, let them say and don't call them out um, or say you can't say that. I just let them talk and, you know, chime in. Um, and, and so they know that they can have these conversations in my classroom. And then I generally try not to get involved too much, although I do chime in occasionally. And some of it's, like, kind of tongue-in-cheek. Um, and so they've, some of the kids I know really well have gotten to, like, know that, yeah, you know, they can have these cards in my classroom. Um, well, just recently, um, the, one of the, the students who led that first phone call, or first call and show, like, a year ago, whatever it was, um, he had asked if I still believe that women shouldn't have the right to vote, because that came up in that other class. So I'm did like, he yeah, ask I, you in in front of the class or privately? No, this was in front of the class. Okay. Um, because one of the one of the teachers there, he does a a survey. Like, so like, oh, I have this petition to end women's suffrage. Because he wants to see, did the kids read the like the assignment? Do they know what suffrage means? It's the right to vote. Yeah. And so they asked, like, hey, do you want to sign this petition? I'm like, absolutely. <laughs> and like, oh, ha 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 you don't know what suffrage means i'm like yeah we killed the 19th women should have right to vote <laughs> they thought they pulled one over on you but you knew exactly what they yeah. were talking about exactly. that's great i'm like i'm where's the paper i'll sign it yeah um and so that was a year ago or a little over a year ago and then they were in the kitchens and they were giving the one girl a hard time about like making her wash dishes and i'm like well yeah a woman has smaller feet this is damn close to the sink of course she should wash dishes hmm. Because I knew the kids that I was talking to, and he was the one who had asked that question. Yeah. Um, so he was like, hey, do you still think that women should have the right to vote? And I'm like, yeah, I still think that. Well, one of the other girls in the other kitchens flipped out when she heard me say that. And yeah. like, we had this whole conversation. I defended, you know, like, yeah, women are too emotional. Feminism ruins society. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and then that and, little bitch ratted you out, didn't she? 
Yes, she did. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so about a week later, I got called down to the principal's office. And I had a conversation. I explained what had happened. And this is the context for my statements. And then I got a formal reprimand um, about two weeks after that. And I was told, I am not to perpetrate um, harmful gender stereotypes, whether seriously or humorously. In your capacity as a teacher, you should remain neutral with students on controversial topics of conversation that are not a part of your curriculum. Hmm. Okay. Whatever. So, if you were talking about Black Lives Matter, this never would have happened. That's probably true. I know. Or like um, sexual orientation. Like, if, that would be fine if I could, you know, if one had the right opinion on it. Man, this sucks. Um, that little bitch just... <laughs> little narc bitch. And now you've got to fly under the radar. You're going to get fired. Uh, are you comfortable yeah, sharing I'm, what what you teach, like what type, what topic, what subject you teach? I teach okay, so this oh, is there's not really is. a relevance to the subject matter. It would be fair to say, well, right? Not necessarily, not in this class because this is just my cooking class. But I well, actually, maybe there is. It could be called my, women's like, skills. Course. I was talking about how like feminism like ruined society because it pulled the family apart. Yeah. And, yeah. You no. Know, a nuclear family is best for raising kids so i could have made that connection that like it is curriculum in a sense just not what i was currently yeah um (laughs) you know especially not that i am trying to equate like i don't think what you're doing is quite the same as like um well some of the things that we've seen in recent weeks like um trying to confuse kids about gender and all this stuff like we've seen from all these lunatic teachers in florida but i think as a matter of principle um the the more of this stuff that we see the more i think it's probably correct that teachers should just be sticking to their subject matter and that's about it and and i the best teachers that i had growing up and this is you know junior high high school even into college unless there was some specific reason to know their opinion or their politics which was very rare I couldn't tell you the politics of a single one of them, like my science teachers or my yeah, English teacher or any of that. And I think that's probably for the best, even though I obviously chuckle at your trolley spirit, Kim. It's um, it, it pains me to say that the principles that are being pursued here, even if your school administration is not, I don't know if they're fair with those principles or not, but in in the interest of that principle, I, I guess that's probably what I would have to say that, yeah, if it's not directly relevant to the, to the subject matter, it probably shouldn't be a part of the classroom. I don't know. What, do you think any of that's unfair? Um, yeah. And one thing too, I try not to let it take away. Like I don't take away from class time to have these conversations. Mm. This was a day where students were just practicing things in the kitchen. And so it wasn't graded. It wasn't instructional time. Um, and they were welcome to have any conversation. It just came up. So I didn't mind engaging in the conversation when it was brought up to me ah. because it wasn't taking away from my curriculum. Um, and like, normally I, I don't take class time away from topics like this. It's either all the way like in classes or at the end of the day, if students have a question or something. Yeah. Um, so, and yeah, and I think like I could make the argument you know, if I were teaching a child development class about, you know, feminism and nuclear family, but I wasn't at the time, so it was kind of an invalid argument. Yeah. But there is something that's not entirely outside of my content area, just not the class that the conversation happened in. So what's the plan yeah. from here? Are you going to 
uh, tread carefully on the thin ice or are you going to try to cannonball through it? Are you going to change the way that you operate or? Oh, uh, you got I'm to, not, you got to. <laughs> I'm not changing the way I operate entirely. I'm just going to kind of lay low for a little bit. Okay. Um, okay. I want to be honest and real. And I appreciate the fact that my students can come up to me and ask me questions um, that are important and meaningful. Like having teaching these students to think critically and having these conversations is more important than my job. Um, well, that's uh, that's a principled way to look at it too, I suppose. Like, and I'm not trying to get fired, but you know, I want to get for at least the next, it's, I get the next 12 years at least um so i'm not going to change everything drastically but i'm not going to just give in and like stay silent if the kids ask me a direct question there's got to be there's got to be a way you can leverage your womanhood to into victimhood in this scenario isn't there <laughs> there's got to be yeah you should do that what however I, you can one of my students asked me like well women need to stick together and i'm like no having an opinion <laughs> just because you check a box is the worst idea ever um yeah well, and uh, I, yeah, I don't know. It, 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 to that point, do women need to stick together, or do no. families need to stick together? You know families what I mean? It's like yeah. is is a is your loyalty as a woman is it is it most important to have loyalty to women, or is it most important to have loyalty to your husband? Uh, I mean, I'm not saying that you should backstab every woman you know, but it seems to me there are greater priorities than just that loyalty. Oh yeah, like I. I would much rather, like I said, this this job, I, I love my job. I love the church I'm in. I'm not going to change drastically or stay silent on things that are important to me yeah. just to not get right. fired. Interesting. So I'll, low. I mean, I'll try to yeah. carefully. Um, well, this but... isn't, and, and thanks for bringing up the story. Um, uh, I mean, uh, it's interesting to hear because it is, it's a, it's a great uh, counter to what we've seen in Florida and elsewhere where it's very easy to demand that um, that teachers uh, stay within their boundaries in certain contexts, and I think appropriately so. I'm not saying that wrong or that's wrong, but here's a context where you might be more sympathetic to a teacher pushing some boundaries, mm-hmm. and we have to test what what are the what are the, the the principles at stake here, and what's the proper application of them. So right. I, I like uh, hearing this story from the other side and, and thinking about how to uh, how to how to handle that correctly. So it's well. Good luck. I I hope that this works out for you. But it sounds like you're doing the right thing. I do too. And if not, it's not the end of the world if it doesn't. There's better things going on in my life than just my job. So. All right. Well, thanks for uh, thanks for telling us the story and um, and thanks for the uh, the meetup hosting too. I appreciate that. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome picture. Thank you for the awesome community you've built. It's changed my life in wonderful ways, and I appreciate both of you a lot. So have a wonderful Easter. You too. Thanks. Yeah. You as well. Okay. Uh, We are overdue for a break. Let's catch up on our chats quickly, and then we'll uh, get to our last segment of calls before we get to email questions as well. We are good on Tippy Stream if you're ready on YouTube. Do, do, do. Sorry, reloading. Okay. Who was the last person? Andrew says, since we're talking about whammon, I will be proposing my girlfriend. Just read that. I talked about her. Congratulations okay. again. Congratulations <laughs> again. Uh, Narl Anters says, how long do you think until they start assigning ATF agents to watch every CNC machine 
In the country, 1911 handguns are 111 years old. The only reason people buy 80% lowers is because CNCs are expensive AF. I don't know that that was like, did I just speak it, another language? It's just what he's talking about is the machining technology or the technology needed to, to manufacture a gun, basically. So oh. the reason these 80% lowers are so popular, uh, these kits, so... 80% lower might be a frame for, say, a Glock. It might be a lower for an AR. It's very close to the, in the case of an AR, it's very close to the receiver, but it requires some additional drilling. Okay. So as a technical matter, you're doing the machining necessary to make that a gun. You are manufacturing it. Okay. That's the re- the reason they're so popular is because there's a, a, a minimal level of machining doing that. It's, it. As you can understand with not just gun laws, but almost every law, they write a law. And then people are going to find how they can tiptoe up to the very edge of it and still yeah. be in compliance. You do that with your taxes, right? People do that with guns. Yeah. How can we make gun-shaped things that are as close as possible without technically being a gun such that you could sell them absent the regulations of guns, but put them together with a maximum ease? Well, of that, course, that's how people are going to behave, obviously. And that's what Biden is is talking about getting rid of. And that's what he's talking about is as the technology advances, what happens? It gets easier and easier to actually manufacture or machine those things. Good. And that's inevitable. I mean, you talk mm-hmm. about just drilling a piece of metal or you know, potentially even 3D printing these parts. It's it's going to get easier and easier. And the point that he's making, it's like. Uh, this is this is why you, you have to just draw lines on what guns are and be comfortable with that in my mind too because uh at some point you're just going to say that like metal and plastic themselves are illegal like a block yeah. a, a hunk of metal could be could be machined into a gun but like that's true of all raw materials what unless there it's will a gun, come a time when none of this matters because yeah. laws will cease to exist in any meaningful way when there's uh, an anarchy and chaos. Yeah. And that well, will govern. And and I, the, the trouble with the ghost gun stuff, I, I, after we talked about it on Sunday and then I listened to Biden's press conference, um, there's not a lot of reliable data on it. Number one, because the ghost guns are unserialized. How could you know? But, how could you possibly have any data but the, about but that? But I just don't believe, and there's kind <clears throat> of tangential data to suggest I just don't believe that all the Chicago, the Chicago gang members or whoever are sitting around uh, actually doing the work of drilling these 80 percent frames and lowers and actually no, they're constructing just filing off serial numbers and yeah. they're counting that in all the data. Yeah, I, I guarantee because when Biden says well, 20,000 ghost guns, these are not polymer 80 kits that a bunch of gangsters in Chicago sat around putting together one night. There's so many guns circulating on the black market. They, the justice department already has stats to that effect. I guarantee you they're guns that have been circulating for probably decades that have just been defaced, but we're going to act. Um, they're cooking the the books in the same way that they do it with suicide statistics. I'm sure there's a lot of, uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. I'm sure there's a lot of, they're just they just need a reason to go after some company they don't like. In this case, it's Polymer 80 and people other making uh, other people making these 80 percent lowers in these kits. Uh, I'm sure, though, I'm sure once we once we raid, which they already did, they raided Polymer 80 a few months ago. Once and we mass shooting statistics, didn't you make an excellent video on that uh, a few years back? I can't remember. I'm because sure because they were counting all of those. Um, like like there was like a gang shooting near a school, and they count. Oh, they yeah. counted it as a school shooting. That's that's what it was. Is David Hogg and those people were saying there have already been like 40 school shootings this year, right? 
And then one of them was like a kid that brought a gun to a school and went off in his locker or something. One of them was an accidental discharge at a police academy. It's like <laughs> nobody was hurt, but they counted as a school shooting. It's like they train with guns at this facility. Yeah, yeah it's yeah. Dumb. It's not good to have an accidental discharge. But out of all the police academies across the country and all the people training to become policemen, it's probably going to happen at some point. Right. It's not right. that's not a school shooting. That is an accidental discharge at a police academy. Anyway. Okay, are we good for now or you got a couple more? We're good for now. Okay, we will uh, come back to your chats at the end of the show. Thank you, guys. Um, I'll have to just circle back with you. Nomad is up next. Nomad, are you there? Yes, I am. What's on your mind? Well, um, first of all, uh, this morning, I felt like you did not stress enough that most of the so-called ghost guns are really just stolen um guns that have had the serial numbers uh, we were did, we were we just talking just about that we're talking yeah, about like, that it's like uh, you're reading my mind oh, right dude, now uh, well i had to i had to mute the stream because i didn't know when yeah, you yeah. guys were pulling me in yeah so oh, I, yeah we just were saying that i yeah. looked into this a little bit because but it's and it, it it's as i was just mentioning it stands to reason that explains a huge chunk, if not the majority of the cases that they're citing when they say 20,000 ghost guns were, uh, have been recovered off the streets. Do you have better information on uh, or a better source? Because I just can't find um, any sort of reliable information on that. It stands to reason, but maybe you know more about it than I do. Well, I just remember um, that this was a big problem 10, 20 uh, years ago, yeah, yeah, before there was 3D printing and before the there was all this trade in the 80% lowers, yeah, it's been an ongoing problem because go figure, thieves don't want to be caught with something that's got the serial numbers on it. They don't want to they don't want it to be traced if they're planning on using it in a crime. And that's exactly and it takes, what two seconds with a Dremel to obliterate that. And and that's exactly if you look at the Justice Department report that Biden cited, it does not say, quote unquote, ghost gun or, or a home manufactured firearm. It says unserialized. And that's yeah. a key distinction because ghost gun right. and unserialized are not at least ghost gun as they mean it. It's not necessarily the same thing as unserialized. But the only pushback I would have for for because I, I actually believe that you're right. I'm not saying that you're wrong. The only devil's advocate pushback i could offer is that they have data showing that these the recovery of these unserialized firearms has been increasing significantly since 2016 like kind of doubling each year is that just i wonder if that's just uh an intentional data cooking the, or if there's something else that explains the, that well there's um property crime is up too um, yeah i suppose that could be yeah. since more new gun owners Keeping guns in cars, keeping guns, um, just having a gun cabinet's not going to keep a thief from stealing them. You, you can, uh, some of these uh, home invaders, these uh, burglars, will just take the whole freaking gun cabinet and take it out. To, um, uh, I've, I've talked to a couple that my sister knew. They will just take the whole cabinet out into the desert and hit it with a rock or a sledgehammer till it busts open. Yeah. Boom, they've got the contents. Usually... Ha including guns and they they obliterate the serial numbers i mean i've my sister used to date some real criminals back when she was uh, <laughs> a younger Sounds like woman a great story yeah yeah there's some great stories there but um so 
I've been around some really rough crowds. I've lived in some really rough neighborhoods. There's This has been going back for a long time. But criminals are now a lot more tech-savvy, too. So they have the whole dark web to play on. Um, and trading in uh, firearms is one of the things that happens there, too. Yeah. And, and I suppose you're right. I wonder, um, we know that, that crime rates generally have increased over the last couple of years. I wonder if the rate of increase in so-called ghost guns or unserialized firearms, if the rate of recovery from crime scenes that they're talking about increasing actually correlates proportionally with the crime rate overall. That is to say, of course, you'd expect to require uh, you'd mm-hmm. expect to recover X amount more unserialized firearms if X amount more crimes have just been committed generally, right. which might be the case. Yeah, hmm. and uh, they're also um, more cognizant of things like serial numbers. So they obliterate serial numbers from guns they steal, from bikes they steal, from tools they steal. If it has a serial number, they don't want to leave the serial number on there. Yeah, I mean, it, make, it makes sense. And I'm with you. I just don't buy yeah. that there's uh, that there's just a, the nightly gang meeting where everyone gathers yeah, around yeah. and drills the holes in their frames or lowers and assembles. Oh, I no, just don't buy that. That's I don't buy it. I mean, I guess it'd be easier yeah, than no, taking a safe wanted... to the desert, but you know, I just, I just don't, I just don't believe oh, that's happening. Right. Anyway, no, they. Most of them don't care. I mean, you do get a few rebel types that, you know, just they do it for fun and because they're sticking it to the man. But that that aren't unwilling to supply. But I don't really think that that's the majority either. Hmm. I haven't seen any evidence. Um, I haven't seen any convictions or arrests for um, illegally uh, manufacturing and selling guns. Well, that's that was the thing that bugged me about. If, oh, go ahead. Sorry. Yeah, I was going to say that's a federal crime. So yeah, if you're if, if you're a felon and you do it, yeah. Ghost guns. Yeah, if somebody's making and selling these so-called ghost guns, where are the arrests for doing that? Uh, yeah, if they transfer them, yeah, that's that's a crime. And then uh, if a if a criminal assembles it for himself, even that's a crime. So yeah, you yeah. would think if that was driving the issue that there there should be some corresponding arrests for that. You're right. But I guess their right. counter would just be, that's why they're ghost guns, man. Nobody knows where they are. Nobody knows how it's happening. Hmm. Well, yeah. Well, um, but, oh man. Also, um, but what I had wanted to mention earlier, also you got, um, Blonde was giving you a hard time about chicken. Dude, you're going to soon have to sell a limb to get some chicken. I know. At this rate. Uh, maybe you should, uh, start raising a few. Uh, I know that uh, I, I I know there's a neighbor like three doors three doors down that you're uh, gonna kill and that's take weird his to, to use that in a conversational setting and I'm not referring to the band three doors down from here that has the uh, that has a chicken coop I believe but I don't even I thought that was a violation of our HOA around here not that I'm don't be a dick I'm Come not on. I'm not gonna snitch or something I don't I don't care um, but so there are people who raise them like right right next door. I, I've it. just been told it's a lot of work and it's a big mess. Is that accurate? It's the oh, least it's, work it's of any animals. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, no, you get an egg per chicken crap. a day. That's pretty good. Yeah. yeah. Um, and plus they love to eat pests, things like scorpions, spiders, snakes. Um, they'll even hunt and eat mice. Hmm. All right. Well, maybe I'll look into it. 
Uh, thank you for the call. Yeah, Appreciate they, they, it. a chicken can down a small mouse hole, so they will. They'll totally do it. <laughs> I don't know if I want to watch that. That sounds gnarly. All right. <laughs> no, but it'll keep them out of the house. <laughs> thank you, man. Have a good night, guys. Yeah. Bye. Might have to get you to back your mic off just a hair. Oh, I'm sorry. I got you peeking. I get um, the leans towards the end of the show. Yeah, maybe. Well, it seems, it seems like whenever it's like when you're trying to talk over people, you know, yeah. trying to, trying to, I don't know. <laughs> Did it peak when I called you a dick? Is that <laughs> somewhere in there? Yeah. <laughs> Let's see. Um, one of my favorite names, uh, Chief Slingin' Beef. <laughs> Mr. Slingin' Beef, are you there? Mr. Beef? I got nothing. Beef pills? Uh-uh. Well, I'll, we'll see if we can get him later and he can tell us about the beef pill. Uh, before that is Phil. Phil, are you there? Yeah. What's on your mind, man? Uh, well, first off, uh, Dangerous Spaces uh, said that uh, you guys might have missed the super chat from Lindsey Graham again. Uh, maybe I did. Oh, yeah. Thank you for reminding me. The reason I didn't see it is because the last one prior to that was sent from Lindsey Graham over on TV stream. So thanks for the heads up. And Lindsey, if you're listening, um, we will get to that when we get to the chats later on in the show. I apologize for missing it earlier, but we will what a bummer name. We will get to it. I, I wouldn't want to disappoint a senator like this. Thank you for well, that. this guy that runs this podcast that I listened to is also named Lindsey Graham. I wonder if it's That's legit. Unfortunate. It's unfortunate. But this guy, this chatter spells it, I think, the same way as Lindsey Graham. No, Lindsey Graham, the senator, spells it differently. This is it. This guy. So maybe it is legit. This guy spells it slightly differently. Or maybe oh, man. chick. I don't know. It might be a female Lindsey. I guess I Michael just assumed Bolton male. sucks. Yeah. Anyway, Lindsey, we'll get to your chat later. Thank you, Phil, for reminding me. Yeah. Well, what I had to had to talk about tonight, I don't know. Have you guys ever heard of uh, Amy Wax? No. She's a, uh, she's a law professor at University of Penn. So an Ivy, um, but she's been taking flack for a few years because she has some rather spicy takes on who is and who isn't American in a way. Okay. Um, I'm let listening. Me, let me look this up. <laughs> so she was recently on Tucker Carlson <clears throat> and she's, like I said, she's been taking flack for a few years uh, about certain things uh, she said, and she has tenure, so they can't exactly just get rid of her there, but there's been a lot of people that have been calling for her ouster and whatever else. She was on Carlson the other week, um, and she was talking about how uh, there's just a tremendous amount of resentment and shame of non-Western peoples against Western peoples Mm. for Western peoples' outsized achievements and contributions. It's really unbearable. Whoa. What, Ivy? (laughs) Yeah, here's the headline that I have. In the Philly, in phillyvoice.com headline, Penn Law Professor Amy Wax rebuked for saying black people resent Western achievements. It's not oh. just black people either. She's gone pretty hard against Asians, uh, Indians specifically. Oh, yeah. That's what uh, this says, too. And I think within that day, one of uh, the Indians that works there at University of Penn said that Amy Wax is a total disgrace and embarrassment. Uh, she said, new, he says, news to you, we are America, and we're coming to this man. We're committed to dismantling the systems that give you your racist, moronic ideas and a platform to spread. So this guy is like on one hand saying that, uh, you know, they're America and uh, they're coming to take over everything um, and basically Mm. saying that we resent you just like she said that they resent us. 
Hmm. All that to say. So she's, she's just really established. She's tenured. And so she is secure in her position. That's all. I mean, there's, there's gotta be a way they can remove her if they want to. Right. I think there is, but I'm I'm sure there's mechanisms, but they've been trying since like 2017 or 2018 and she's still around. So man so well that just goes I, I to show you if they say all that to say that like we we like to talk about like the model minority or whatever but in the end it really is ourselves for ourselves because we exist not because of some piece of paper that says something that sounds nice if that makes sense um well uh... i i I, w- I wouldn't agree that it's just a piece of paper that sounds nice i think it's i think it's fundamental moral truths but i understand what you're saying um i i just i i wouldn't i don't know that i could place a lot higher on the priority stack than those moral truths though i think sacrificing those would be one of the worst things that we could do there's there's a thing though when you when you reduce when you take when you just decouple like the people from um like the the words or whatever, or if you allow your country to be defined by words on a piece of paper and not the people that actually live there, you're basically at the mercy of the people who would change the definitions of the words. Yep. I suppose so, there's some, some like truth Scotland, to that. You- like Scotland and England, regardless of their immigration policies now, were originally founded as countries for the Scots and countries for the English. And America used to be American. And that meant something. Now it's just a dumping ground for whoever can get here and exactly take advantage, yeah. take advantage of the social capital built up by us and our forefathers. I mean, I agree it has to mean something, but to me, it's not necessarily uh, ethnicity uh, first and foremost. I don't know if that's what you're getting at, but um, well, to me, it does. But I mean, that's I, kind of obvious by my history on the show here. So <laughs> there, there, I, I read some chats to that effect. I, I seem to recall. No, I mean, I guess what I'm saying is, um, would I, is a country that is um, ethnically homogenous with me, is that more important than a country that upholds proper values? And my answer would be no. I'm not going to live in a communist state of white people. And I wouldn't find a lot of value in that. I understand that. But I'm also I'm saying that you – I don't think you can decouple those from each other. Like a country full of people like you is probably going to be a good country. Um, they probably won't be communist, but like – probably be a good country yeah i think it's full of people like you not because of some words on a piece of paper like scandinavia mm-hmm. is 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 consistently ranked as a a nice place to be people like to visit people want yeah. to live there because of the people that live there and their political po- um policies are somewhat different from even ours the, and, whereas and, liberia has a constitution that is exactly the same as ours and nobody wants to live there yeah. And there the the correlation, I mean that's that's just statistically true. That is to say that that I'm not going to I'm not going to say that that ethnicity is my priority value because it isn't. But there are all sorts of correlations among, uh, along racial and ethnic lines with values. That doesn't mean that those those can't be um crossed and and those can't be changed. But there's a reason why we why uh, say polling data are divided up the way that they are and why people think that they can not think they can. People can generally predict voting habits or voting tendencies by race, for example. Those are real. And so to just sit here and pretend like that's not a thing, obviously, I'm not going to do that. But but um, 
I, I suppose it, it just depends on me. Is it just depends to me? Is it a proxy for a higher value, or is the ethnicity component uh, a value for its own sake? Maybe that's kind of where we're I, diverging. To me, to me, it is because I mean, I don't have any communist cousins, but like if I did have a communist cousin, I think it would be easier for me to deal with them in some respects than. Hmm say a non-white who believe who believe the same thing most of the same things as me because there would always be that still that little bit where we would have to diverge like i, but, I agree well, with ben shapiro on like some social socially conservative things but in the end i know he's going to care more about his own family and tribe than he is about mine but i but i would um and i'm not saying that's wrong but i i don't know that that's no. the proper hypothetical uh to me at least you have let's say consider it this way instead of um a cousin who you disagree with versus uh some sort of far away person that you disagree with in this in this uh situation i think we're talking about maybe a cousin that you disagree with versus somebody of a different ethnicity who agrees with you genuinely wholeheartedly which of those is more desirable and to me a cousin well even when we're de- what I'm saying is like that person who's the different ethnicity than me, we might agree on a bunch, but in the end, there's still going to be a divide there because they're going to care more about their tribe and I'm going to care more about my tribe. I think that That's the basic impasse. underlying function of, of all people is to to default to, to tribalism. I don't think that anybody can really move beyond that, no matter how they intellectualize it. It's uh, It's an interesting predicament because, of course, that's not... I don't, that's one of the things about the world. I wish it didn't work that way. (laughs) We talk about that all the time. It's like, I don't, yeah, I, I'm not a fan of tribalism in that way, of course. And I, I, I want a world in which people put moral value higher, fundamental moral truths, higher than that, that tribalism, fundamental moral principle, higher, higher than that tribalism. I think it's, um, it's achievable, but is it, no, I, I totally get it, but I, yeah, I'm think, not trying to attack you is what I'm getting at. Oh yeah. And I, uh, of course, and I'm, I'm not trying to uh, attack you either. And um, one of the reasons I appreciate your calls and your chats, Phil is I obviously gather that um, we have maybe some disagreement on, on this stuff, but it never, you're able to talk about this. Uh, you're able to talk about challenging topics like this in a way that is thoughtful. And, um, and, and I appreciate that. I know that, for a lot of people, it's these are like undiscussables. Yeah, but yeah. Um, I appreciate you coming in good fa- coming in good faith too, because I, I I've run into people who haven't come in good faith, so it's uh, anyway. Yeah, yeah. Well, and it's 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 a difficult thing because obviously I, I'm always going to come down on the side of of value principle. Uh, those things are of the highest priority to me, but to what degree can they be decoupled from people? Um, I, I would like to believe that they can, that those can be overcome, that that all of that is achievable. But it, it is it's certainly a, a mountain to climb at times. Um, and I think that it's to pretend it isn't climbing. Well, yeah. And then, yeah, it's a fair it's a fair question to ask. I, I don't think it's completely unreasonable. Um, it's, it's a mountain that's been uh, that 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 summit has been pursued for quite some time now. And, and we're just uh, around the corner, right? Another another couple old white people die, and we're just this closer to a utopia. Well, what's, frust- <laughs> what's frustrating too, yeah, is that I don't know. Is it is it just me or 
it's hard for me to remember because when we were all younger, and I assume you're probably somewhat in our you're in, in our peer group, Phil. I don't know, but um, pretty close to you guys. But it does seem to me that all of this stuff has become so much worse in the last decade or two. Like racial tribalism has become drastically worse in my experience. Well, people feel like their their survival is being threatened. Yeah. Whether or not people are self-aware, uh, things are clearly coming down the pipeline that are going to threaten our well-being. And it's causing everybody to circle the wagons with who they actually care about. Hmm. I think that's the case. They Like in the 90s, we talk about returning to the 90s. Well, I don't, but some people do. Um, I think in the 90s, they the, our enemies were not quite dancing on the grave of white America quite yet. <laughs> not yet it was, yeah it was kind of coming down the pike but they weren't really gloating about it they weren't saying in one one side out one side of their mouth that it's not happening but it's good that it is yeah so people weren't necessarily as aware of it although it was certainly starting to show up in, in other parts of the country not my hometown it's starting yeah. to show up there now but it's certainly wasn't that crazy then but now it's Obviously, every time you turn on the TV, it's like, are there white people in commercials anymore? And like, <laughs> there was you go, uh, your, you go to your church, and if your pastor's not lecturing you about BLM, he's lecturing you about uh, you know, something else. Yeah. The advertising thing is truly amazing. Like when I when I watch commercials, it's like, how many Mexican black lesbian couples are there really in this country? Yeah, it's like a fucking Febreze commercial. I'm like, what is this? Like, who 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 were they trying to advertise to? White women also do have you believe good. I was going to say white women do sneak in maybe once in a blue moon, a white guy, but never a, he's a, always the buffoon though. There's never a white family. That's, or there's that's, like one white kid and yeah. the, the white kid has down syndrome or something. It, it, there's like, never just like white mom, white dad, white baby. That's not yeah. that someone actually, um, I saw there was a, an, a, like accounting done on the Super Bowl ads and it was the percent, uh, of, people of each race presented versus the percent they actually are in society and the overrepresentation for um, for black people was off the charts but specifically yeah. uh, Asians were actually underrepresented too Asians are really getting uh, are really getting hit hard in the representation oh man can you uh, imagine well? if you yeah, were like a poor second generation Korean and your parents own like a grocery store I'd be so pissed off hmm. well that's why they became rooftop Koreans I understand I do yeah. love Koreans. They have whole countries, though. <laughs> like they have whole countries of of Asians that they can be represented in. They don't have to be represented here. Yeah, That's I just fair. um, it, whatever's going on, it's clearly a deliberate. Uh, to your point, it, it's clearly a deliberate effort. You don't have a situation in which a country that is thirteen percent black is being presented with uh, upwards of fifty to sixty percent black people in advertisements, unless that's a deliberate effort. Um, and th- it clearly is, you know, but. I don't know. I should probably run. I should, I've yeah. taken up way too much time. So, well, thanks for the call, man. I appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for having me. Okay, I um, like him. Well, he, uh, you know, agree or disagree, he's a uh, he's a thoughtful guy, I and mean, I appreciate that. So, this thing with Asians, though, like, I don't know what it is. I've always felt a strong camaraderie with Asians. <laughs> it changes every week. Next week. You know, the thing I always give Hispanics a bad rap, but no, uh, my whole life I've had Asian friends, something about their personalities and their, I just, I just get along with them. They're matter of fact, 
they're logical people. They're unemotional. I just well, have always a- like Asian. Asian cultures do tend to do well. That's one of the reasons they are. They kind of have their victim, their non-white victim card revoked. Like in the case right. of the Harvard lawsuit, when you actually are successful, um, your your victim status is revoked and you become part of the oppressor class, I guess. They're, they're highly self-reliant. Maybe that's mm. it. Ah, uh, well. All right. Um, we are due for well, we're we're right up against the clock, but Batman is up uh is up in the waiting room. So we will give Batman last word before we get Hi, to Batman. the uh, email questions. Hello again. What's on your mind? It seems like lately I'll, I always sneak into the very, very end. I suppose. Well, I could never say no to you anyway, so <laughs> well, how did this get so gay so fast? <laughs> it's the voice. How how could I Oh, say anything now. you understand Ugh. okay never do that again You're welcome but... for that uh, <laughs> <laughs> Good Lord. Um, all right but um so i wound up having a conversation with my like one remaining progressive friend again yeah um he sent me an article uh and i think the the reaction he expected out of me i think was not the one that he got so this article is about this trans doctor who's transitioned hundreds of kids uh-huh. um becoming concerned that there are too many people transitioning and that kids are just likely falling um victim to peer pressure yeah uh which in and of itself just that statement alone i think i i definitely agree with that but i also stepped out of my way in my response to him to just shit all over this doctor okay <laughs> Um, and he was taken aback by that and maybe potentially slightly offended. Um, and, uh, I, I basically, I, I took a step back after that to consider like, all right, should I have praised this person, you know, for, for having this take or does the hundreds of, um, does the hundreds of kids that, um, you know, this, this, uh, doctor potentially ruined effectively um does that like karmatically outweigh that wait so i'm confused this doctor did the procedures and then reversed later or no i'm not uh, entirely following what the doctor did did these the doctor does these procedures present tense but is concerned and is voicing said concern um that there are too many uh, well, what's the, the right so, amount of transitioning children? Yeah, zero. Zero. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's so, interesting. I uh, okay. I'll I'll have to. So the, I guess this a, doctor late Times article, so it's going to be stuck behind a paywall. But well, you, you actually uh, good time to remind everybody. You just run that through an archive. Most sites, if it's paywall, just run it through an archiving site like archive.is or wherever they are today. Archive.whatever, and. Um, and you can get around it in most cases, but not all. Oh, okay. Yeah. I have to consider that a trick of the trade. I'll never pay those New York times bastards or anybody else. <laughs> Good plan. Um, okay. So this doctor, I guess the, this doctor, you tell me, but this doctor's perspective must be there's X amount of legitimate trans children who need these services or what are these hormones and surgeries or Presumably most of these are just hormones because well, the actual still, bottom yeah. surgery stuff doesn't happen very frequently. Okay. So there's X amount of kids who need hormone therapy, but there are too many that are going into it because it's trendy. 
that's the doctor's take? More or less phrased in a much more woke way. <laughs> okay. And your your dilemma is, or your your conversation with your friend is, should this person be praised or condemned? Um, yes, but well, here's the thing: I think this person should be condemned anyway, because again, hundreds of kids, just this person. Well, right? and then I, I guess I can't the... forgive that just because they managed to, you know, a broke broke ass clock is right twice a day. Well, and right? again, the unsaid part of that reasoning is if there are too many kids getting this service and you're providing hundreds of cases of this service, you have done unnecessary damage to hundreds of kids. Mm-hmm. That yes. Yeah. You would think if God, it's another one of the situations where if, if you think that maybe every other one that you do is wrong, if that's the mindset of this doctor, why wouldn't you just stop? Because there's got to be, even for the ones that are quote unquote right in the mind of this doctor, you might want to figure out and be more precise about prescribing this sort of thing. Yeah. And I mean, if this person has transitioned hundreds of children, right. I mean, that's no mean feat, right? Hundreds, hundreds of children. Yeah. Huh. But is now thinking maybe we've gone too far. (laughs) Yeah, but I mean, God. it's it's like um, I'm trying to remember how I how I phrased it to him. Oh yeah, um, we have a huge problem with the murder of gazelles," said the lion, gnawing suspiciously on a Bovidian bone. Yeah, yeah, that's that's well put. I mean, okay. <laughs> so this person is literally guilty of this, right? Maybe are they feeling guilty? Is that the reason that they're coming out with this? Are they going to do a 180? Yeah, I mean, I, I, mean, I maybe. don't know. Maybe do they do they even deserve to be allowed redemption at this point, though? Well, maybe well, if you I stop immediately, <laughs> maybe that's the only chance, though. You can't keep doing it and be like, this might be wrong, but right, I'm right, going right. to dabble. You have to stop and repent about, and go public. Well, this is we are talking about the ruination of lives here, right? Yeah. If somebody is a murderer, a mass murderer, and they stop killing people and repent publicly, is that enough or do you still want their head? Well, I mean, I still want their head, but we're Christian and we're supposed to believe in in true redemption upon like genuine repentance. And and it is a it is a uh, mitigating factor, even if the crime is severe. <laughs> that is to say, uh, <laughs> yeah. fair point. Yes, um, that is a uh, it's a mitigating factor. That is to say, in the in the metaphor of the murderer there or that hypothetical, I think a murderer that kills a person but goes to the police to confess and and then pleads guilty is different than the murderer who is fleeing from the law, trying to kill other people and denying it ever happened in court. Mm-hmm. They, okay. they both are how worthy of severe punishment, but how about a murderer who's killed hundreds of people and is now repentant? Yeah. I, I suppose maybe there is a, a line that you cross that once you've crossed it, it doesn't really matter. Maybe, maybe there is. Uh, I, th- I think so. Especially when it, I mean, People consider crimes against children to be especially heinous. Yeah. Right. How's this any different? Well, this is like um, somebody going into a preschool and, you know, just just lighting it up with an M2. Actually, if you did that, you would probably do less damage (laughs) than this person has. Yeah, maybe. Maybe you take the Katanji angle. You don't understand with the Internet. It's so much easier to do these things. And he just 15 minutes, you can transition 100 kids. It's. Right. You got to consider that. <laughs> it's much easier than it used to be. Yeah, they've uh, invented a new kind of shears now for the snipping. But uh, anyway, yeah, you're okay. Did, that mental image. Yeah. Did you? Uh, do you have any closing thoughts on this story? 
No, no, just um, that's what's been on my mind for the gotcha. last couple of days. Hmm. So, all right. Well, good to hear. Between, no, oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead if you have a closing thought. Um, just you know, halfway between like just being really, really black pilled and having no choice but to put my feet up on the desk, sit back, and laugh. <laughs> yeah. All right. No. <laughs> Embrace the clown pill, I guess. Yeah. Honk honk. Well, yeah. Thank you for the call and uh, and have a good night. All right, y'all have a good one. Bye bye. All right, that will do it on calls tonight. Appreciate all our callers, and if you uh, didn't make it in tonight, I appreciate your patience. Uh, if you'd like to participate, but you're having trouble getting in live, or perhaps you can't participate live, send us an email question. You can do that through the contact page of the website, mattchristensenmedia.com slash contact. Look for the call-in show question form. We'll take those at the end of the stream each week, as we will right now. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> the, the first name. You want to? <laughs> no. Come on. Ophelia. I've always thought, you know, if we had a daughter, Ophelia would be a very beautiful name. That's a lovely name. Ophelia Mick Cock. You know, like the stuff you use in the bathroom to seal Cock. edges? Yeah. Ophelia I... Mick Cock. I'm not saying it any faster than that. You'll never get me. I've had some, by the way, I've had some allegations that maybe some joke names have led you to disregard some questions sent to the email inbox i don't know if that, those are not allegations yeah ah okay and if somebody has a question that's too similar to yours i just nixed one confirm so um i won't out the person who said this who messaged me this it's a you know a listener we're friendly with and i told him i said just use your real name like <laughs> stop with the stop with yeah. this ophelia mick cock shit and just you use said it your, fast no i said ophelia mick cock mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That'll get through if you just use your real name, you weirdo. All right. With the midterms, Ophelia says, with the midterms coming up, is voting an important responsibility of a citizen? Should it be legally required? Obviously, I wouldn't be in favor of legal requirement because I think, um, well, we talked about this uh, in earlier weeks. Just because you have bad option A and B presented to you doesn't mean you must select between them. Selecting neither is a choice and you shouldn't be compelled to select between two things you think are crap. Um, I hate this. Of course, it shouldn't be required. Uh, not voting is a legitimate choice, just like voting. Yeah. I And I, I think that you're entitled to that. I, I would say that I think maybe voting is the wrong word, but I think um, involvement Let's put it that way. Even just mental involvement or understanding what's going on in the political world around you mm-hmm. is an important responsibility of a citizen. Even if you yeah. decide I can't actively vote for any of these options, I won't. Right. I think that at least understanding why you don't want to vote is an important responsibility. Voting by extension is an important responsibility to the degree that you would actively endorse any of those options. I think that all of those should be done by um by any citizen in i think it's it's not obviously not best to just not pay attention to civic affairs at all um and maybe that maybe that would be the ideal in a world that actually respected what mattered most like your private family life first and foremost but with the with the amount of rabid politicians who want to abuse your rights in every single way that they can we just you, you have to pay attention to these people you have to understand what's going on and if you don't well that's opportunity for them to abuse you not that they're short on those opportunities anyway, but I, I do think like an active attention 
to to politics and news is an important responsibility or would you disagree why it doesn't change anything okay i actually was talking about this with um during a hangout yesterday but one of the reasons that I've lost motivation on my own channel and on the podcast is that I, I have really internalized this futility. Um, remember in 2016 that we, we were riding in on this wave of hope mm-hmm. that we still made a difference, in, that our involvement made a difference in, um, in legislation and the direction of the country, that we were somewhat self-directed and we were involved in that process. But then all of these things happened that disenfranchised us it 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 made the the voting process um pointless it's made me feel like uh i i'm 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 hopeless in that i can't affect change in any meaningful way through legitimate means now what does somebody do when they feel disenfranchised in that way that's not a rhetorical question what should somebody do i i would disagree with the premise at least a little bit i think that we were in a much better place over those four years than we are now and i understand it wasn't utopia but I, but I do think that if we all participate, we can get better outcomes than we have right now. But we weren't that, in a better place. That's that's what is so depressing about this. We oh, only God. thought that we were. No, come on. The, no, no. We only thought that we had more power than we actually did. And then it was is, proven to us in the election that, that we actually don't have any power. Well, maybe, maybe, maybe that, I mean, we'll, we'll never know what happened in the most secure election of all time. So that's secure. True. Yeah. But I don't think that there's any denying that from you know, 2016 to 2020, there was a significantly better quality of life for your average American than there is. I I totally agree. But in the grand scheme of things and preventing societal collapse and upholding Western values, which should be, you know, what all of this is about. Are we really worse off now? Uh, Yeah. Unless, unless the only way in which it's better is the collapsitarian perspective that we're just closer to the other side of the disaster. But, but man, I, we got it, to, to saving this country like 100 years too late. Well, there have been a lot of things to undo. That's for sure. And I, I, to, to your point, I will say it's fair, to, it's fair to ask, given the amount of disaster that has been concentrated in D.C. over the last 100 years or so, uh, what's the more realistic prospect at fixing it? Is it electing all the right people who will finally um, reject the opportunities at power at power and money that are presented to them in DC and do the right thing for the people that elected them or is the most realistic prospect that the entire thing burns down which is its seemingly inevitable course susan i'm not saying people need to grab matches is that more realistic and um i i certainly as i say all the time power concentrates and then it disperses spectacularly i think that's the most that's the most um realistic outcome here it's just I I will always question how much I want to participate in the spectacular disbursement until it's absolutely necessary. And I I, guess my problem with this is like, how much value can I offer to anybody like directional value um, in a societal collapse situation where I am going to be a liability? (laughs) Hmm. I, I can't tell anybody anything except like I'm going through this too. But as far as providing insights for the, the current cultural zeitgeist, I'm worthless. Like I can't, I can't do anything. Hmm. So, so I don't really know. And I feel the same way about operating within the confines of um, existing ways to enact change, like legitimate means to enact change. Why, why bother? Yeah. My, my, my outlook on it is um, those are options and they should be exercised. But 
I'm not I, preparing for the worst is too late. That should, you should have started that yesterday. So it's kind of my outlook is I'll use the the levers of our system that are available because it doesn't really cost me anything to do those. And if we all do it, we might get some positive outcomes. But, but if I, none of us do it, we might get positive outcomes as well. That's true. It, but I guess the only way we get positive outcomes is if it's a total non-participation. Well, you know, why like, aren't we doing in, that with taxation? Exactly. Like if we actually had a plan to opt out, I'm in on that because I I don't consent to the current government that's in D.C. And I, the reason I don't consent is not just because I don't like the president or I don't like members of Congress. It's because they have rejected the system that was the bargain. They have rejected yeah. the the structure that we all agreed to. And so it's not just that they're a part of a party I don't like. Um, but but if this wasn't this wasn't the structure that we all agreed to. None of us consented to the Constitution. But it is the system that maximizes your consent. That is to say, it, it puts as much in its design. It puts as it puts as much consent in you and your neighbors and your communities as possible, with the exception of anarchy. Theoretically, and, theoretically, yeah. but but we just had an entire discussion about how it's impossible to affect change through legitimate means. Like how much, uh, how much voting power. And um, self-directed government can I actually participate in in a meaningful way? Like in the system as designed, I think a great deal. In the system as it exists today, yeah, it's uh, it's seen better days. That's for sure. But what's the point of even upholding that system if it can't if it can't persevere? Um, I, I don't know. Well, you can make the case to me that it, it's it's past due for demolition because once once the deal is violated and your rights are being violated, you. You know, as was the founding philosophy, you have a, not just a, a right to, but an obligation to dismantle that system mm-hmm. and build something new. I would just want something with a clearer plan than, um, than non-participation because non-participation just means they get, they go to those levers of power that we talk about all the time and they just start pulling. Yeah. We got to have a way to actually detach ourselves from the level from those levers of power to move on from it. And oh, this next question is stupid. Too. Yeah, we've talked about Ketting. Sorry. Anyway, well, I it's appreciate the same. It. it's the same. Ophelia, thank you for the question. Obviously, uh, Don yeah. Kedick, did I say something naughty? Uh, voter turnout is generally low. 2020 election, only 160 million people voted after 255 out of a possible 255 million people. Is that it? That's just over 60% of possible voters. How can more be pers- people be persuaded to vote? Is that really what you want? Do you want more voter turnout? Why? And Why? this isn't even, the premise isn't correct. 2020 was 99% turnout. Uh, in overwhelming support for Joe Biden, I was told. Mm. In fact, in did they ever get clarity on that? It was alleged in some jurisdictions that more people voted than were yeah. registered. I think that those were those claims ended up being proven to be overstated. If, but I don't know. Who, who knows if they're legitimate out there? They'd never be covered anyway. Um, yeah. Seriously speaking, though, how do we persuade more people to vote? I don't know. If people aren't persuaded by the current conditions of the country, I don't know that anything will. Because this isn't just your neighbor coming over and saying, hey, I got an idea for you to consider X, Y, and Z. No, it's like this things is, are going to shit. What what yeah, else is, could be a better motivating factor if people are in, inclined to vote? If you don't notice, hey, it's getting harder to, uh, I don't know, feed my family. If that doesn't persuade you to pay some more attention, I, I don't know that much of anything could. So to answer the question, we're going to find out. We're going to find out if... If dire conditions or just everything in life being more expensive, everything in your life being under stronger strain, if that 
is a motivating factor or not. If it's not, then I don't know anything that could actually get the rest of these people to vote. Even if it was a gun at their heads, I don't even know if they would do it. I know. I know. Um, Anderson Bush. Blonde, would you mind talking about, I, I say every name like it's some questionable name with a sexual connotation. I shouldn't do that. <laughs> He's um, just a you, guy whose last name is Bush. He's just a guy whose last name is Bush, yeah. Um, <laughs> would you mind talking about your faith journey so far? I hope you stay trad, my friend. Um, I was baptized into the Catholic Church when I was 13, and then I kind of uh, fell away from the faith, and then I started going back to church like, I don't know, five years ago, something like that. But recently, I'm going through like a rough patch in my life, and I, I pray all the time, and I'm reading the Bible and stuff, and I'm... I'm just like, I pray to feel God's presence and God's peace, but I'm just ravaged with anxiety on a daily basis. Like, I I, I don't, I, I'm going to continue to pray, but I'm, I'm having a difficult time keeping the faith in the face of some suffering. But, you know, the, the deal is that you keep the faith no matter what. Yes. Yeah, but I kind of feel point, like. Huh? God is jobing me like a little bit, you know? Well, I guess, and I'm no religious scholar or theologian, but I suppose if I were to consider what the point is, yeah, faith should be easy to maintain in times of prosperity. Uh, yeah. The test of, of faith would be the struggle. The struggle so yeah. that's one, one way to look at it. Um, and then for you, if um, you have any questions about Catholicism, I'd be more than happy to answer them, Matt. Although I'm not an expert, I do have a BA in philosophy and theology from conservative Catholic college, which makes me a good beginner. Hmm. Well, well, thank you for that offer. <clears throat> I, um, you know, I, I always, I openly admit, I've been talking about dabbling more into consideration of religious topics and religious texts for, I don't know, two years now, probably more than that. And the opportunity, I'm still thinking of some things, but there might be opportunity within the audience to do something yeah. and to like make a. All I, I can't commit to anything right now, but I, but I'm I'm thinking of maybe if there's a way we can make like a group thing out of I don't know make a make a audience inclusive activity out of some potential dabbling into some biblical or other faith topics. Maybe that would be uh, fun. I thought I'm, you were suggesting we have a Bible orgy. <laughs> close but not quite no um i'm just thinking about ways that i can get into this in a way that fits my schedule and maybe in a way that is that offers participation with the community that we have because one of the hurdles for me is like first of all i work like wall to wall on sundays that presents an obstacle now i could revise my schedule but I don't really want to do that. I like what I have established and I don't want to change it necessarily. And the other thing is like, yeah, it would be beneficial for me to meet uh, a lot of new friends in this town or something. But on the other side of it, I have a lot of people with whom I'm friendly yeah. already, even though we might be geographically distanced. Why not use that community that already exists and maybe yeah, see if we can do something there. I'm not making any commitments, but I'm just letting everybody know I'm thinking about these things more than in the past when I was thinking about them, I wasn't just paying lip service, but you know, with so much else going on in my life between the wedding and the kid and all that, it's just very hard to get that seriously going. And yeah, now I'm, yeah. I'm having more serious thoughts about it. That's good. You should lean into that. Maybe it's a sign. Yeah. Um, who's next? Uh, Q 
What do you think of modern day spoilers culture? Over the past 10 years, it seems like prefacing any discussion of film TV with the spoilers warning has become increasingly normalized. Is this a sign of a vapid infantilized culture in which people are so soft they need to be protected from a completely inconsequential misfortune of knowing in advance the detail of a story? Or is it just a simple courtesy akin to covering one's mouth when sneezing? I think that it's courteous. Yeah. <clears throat> I if, if I get a spoiler from somebody, it's not like I'm going to you know, jump at them and, and feel like emotionally damaged by, you know, learning a plot point of a show I'm watching in advance. But, um, whenever I'm, I get into a show, like we're talking about Yellowstone a lot lately, I had almost nothing of that spoiled for me ahead of time. And there are some major twists and turns in that show that were so much better to experience authentically than seeing some tweets about it or hearing a podcast talk about it. I would have enjoyed it either way, but the authentic experience is better. And that's why I think that it's a courteous thing to do. But that on the other side of it, we need a standard. There's got to be a a statute of limitations, so to speak, for spoilers. If the product is X years old, you just get to talk about it. There should be an agreement. One year old. That's pretty short even. But But that's fine. As long as there's a standard. You know, if you're... It can't be like, oh, man, uh, you guys talked about that point in Breaking Bad and that really ruined it for me, even though the show ended like 10 years ago. Can't have any of that. Yeah, I'm I'm with you. I agree. Um, Charlie, don't you find the concept of of the father God being your protector entirely infantilizing? Do you not take offense at being referred to as sheep in the flock of God? I view the teachings of the Bible to be entirely relevant to the present day, but the framework of Christianity does not work for me. Hmm. Without a fear of death or judgment by God. Um, no, I don't find this at all infantilizing because I I'm humbled by my my human limitations on a daily basis. Um, and I want to know, I, I want to believe that there is a higher power that has more understanding than I do. Like what's way more frightening to me is this concept that like we are the pinnacle of intelligence in the universe what a fucking disaster would that be we're so stupid and hive mind and (laughs) yeah i can't have that and so you know but but i am a woman and so this concept of being submissive to something higher comes more naturally to me than like an independent man yeah and uh i wouldn't necessarily take offense i suppose you, you frame this in the specific metaphor of 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 sheep in a flock that are led by God as a shepherd or however you want. I don't, uh, I don't necessarily, as I kind of enter this realm of thought and I'm still kind of somewhere on the outside, on the edge of it, looking in, I don't necessarily uh, take issue with following anything or being led by anything. So long as I choose it and I'm clear why. Right. Right. And I know in the, in this metaphor, sheep probably don't. So maybe that's why, you're supposed to think uh, or, or maybe be a little more critical uh, of, of that arrangement. Mm-hmm. But um, it's not that I'll never follow anything. I just want to know exactly why it is that I'm following it. And as I get right. there, as long as it's it, as I have come to that conclusion myself, I'm totally fine with that arrangement. To your point on um, on just having something bigger than yourself, I, I think it's I think that's obviously very important, not just from a humility perspective, but from a, a moral organization of the universe, as we talk about all the time. If if it's just us, we're the only things uh, that are the most important thing in this universe. I mean, in that situation, morality is something that we created. 
morality is something that we can alter. Morality is something that we exactly. can change exactly. on a moment's notice. There's fundamentally no right or wrong because there's there's nothing above us. The concept of right and wrong itself is not above us. I it, it's it's possible that that's the truth of the world. It's just that if it is uh, that's a very dangerous world to me. The, well, I mean, isn't that how postmodernism was born of this belief system that um that we can establish our own sense of morality. And then what is truth? What is uh, reality? Yeah. Well, I suppose, I suppose that follows. If morality itself is subjectively defined by us, why isn't truth itself subjectively defined by us? If these yep. things aren't above us, if the concept of truth, if the concept of morality is not pre-existing and above us as human beings, exactly. uh, we are in a bizarre nonsense world that could be flipped on a moment's notice totally justifiably. We could upend every premise in the world because we're the masters of it. Yeah. Uh, that's... Um, you know, that's very dangerous. And I know it's not necessarily satisfying just to say, well, because it's dangerous, it's untrue. But look at every other natural law of the world. Uh, mm-hmm. When I talk about morality, I mean, I, I think of objective morality in the same way I think of gravity. It's something that exists out there. It's a part of the natural state of the world. And no matter how hard you try, you can't actually defeat it. Yeah. There, you, you might be able to fly a plane for a little while. You'll run out of fuel. Gravity will get the best of you. You might be able to lie and hide and cheat your way around morality it will catch up with you eventually there's nothing you can do to redefine the moral order of the world it will get you exactly and it's not just because we chose that it's because it's a fundamental truth about the world um i don't know i'm on the quest to figure out how that how that happened where'd that come from that's what god is and i'm trying to find it um but that's why I don't necessarily take offense to this, this concept of a higher power even being yeah. led by something. Because without that, without that pre-existence, the world makes no sense. Yeah. That's why, I suppose. Exactly. That's, that's true. That's a good enough reason to be religious than any other. Dingo Darling says, what happens if Biden is no longer president by the time Justice Breyer officially retires and vacates his seat on the Supreme Court? With the Garland nomination, the change in president signified the end of the nomination – uh, would the same apply to a Senate confirmed candidate? The situation would mean that the first black woman justice would hold a rival claim to the nominee of the first black woman president, a true identity politics jump ball. Um, I actually, as far as I understand, she is confirmed and it's a done deal. Even if Biden died tomorrow, I don't think that it changes. wouldn't matter. Right. I don't yeah. think it does, but um, I'm not a hundred percent sure on that. So you might want to check some notes somewhere, but I don't think it matters at all. As a, as a matter of law, I think it's a done deal. But even as a practical matter, let's say that the Biden died tomorrow and the vice president had the power to undo it. I don't think Kamala Harris would undo it. I think she would just leave it exactly as is. Yeah. I, yeah and I don't think Why any would Democrat would undo it. Would undo it. Yeah. So, I, so um, I, yeah, I don't think you're in, in store for any change. But I would have to check. Does that do anything I, I don't think that the removal of the president if he was impeached or he died that it undoes the deal in any way yeah uh, i w- i'm under the same impression um all right richie wow my struggle with faith i got like a million emails about this so huh. i guess people are feeling feeling the burn this is richie greetings pole smokers this question is for Blonde. I've heard you speak recently about some struggles with your faith. I've been struggling myself as well. I'm a Catholic, baptized and confirmed as an adult. In recent years, I've leaned more into Catholic traditionalism and Latin math. I find the new mass. Uh, I find the new mass to be really wimpy and emasculating, and I prefer to worship as my ancestors did. My struggles with uh, Francis Papacy and Christ's promise 
that the Christ will not defect. Many traditional-minded Catholics struggle with this issue, given the outright heresy and bagginess coming from the church over the last 50 years. Are you experiencing similar struggles when it comes to squaring the church's indefectibility with the obvious heresy coming from our so-called Pope? Yeah, I was um, for a while, but all religions are infiltrated to some degree with um, the inadequacies of, of humans and with human sin. And so I have, uh, I have this forgiveness for the institution. Um, I hear a lot of criticisms of Catholic institutions, particularly when it comes to the pedophilia. Um, and I understand that I hear that, but all institutions are, are flawed. Um, that is a grave flaw. It is a grave, grave flaw. But I also don't want to throw the baby out with the bathwater. Um, there are good things there. I try to uphold the good things and denounce the bad. And right now the Pope is, he's bad. He's a bad man. I don't believe he's an agent of Christ or of good. Um, and is that a mark on the church? Yes. But I, it, it's not really um, affecting my faith. It's other stuff. <laughs> Charlie says, now that there's a non-binary option on passports, does that make all people with Xboxes trans? Yes. Uh, you know, it's like <clears throat> between the uh, between the chip shortage and the realities of fatherhood, it's almost, well, it's a year and a half later. I still don't even have the new Xbox. And I don't think I've played Xbox in a couple months now. I have not even finished the uh, the Halo campaign, which was uh, my one of my only video game to-dos. Oh, no. So... Man, you get you get mugged by reality, you get mugged by fatherhood, and you don't do any of the. But I could, I could find time to play video games if I still wanted to. But um, you get to a point where you're like, There's... next, yeah. <laughs> every, every minute I spend playing video games and uh, laughing at you know some 14 year old telling me he banged my mom or something, uh, that's a moment that I could use bettering myself in some other way, and so it's just kind of fallen off. Yeah, I'll probably get back into video games with my son when he's old enough, like just, you know, simple couch co-op puzzle games. I bet we'll have fun doing that, though. Kitchen Sink says, uh, or is this yours to read? I think this one's yours. Oh, um, to what extent in community building do you or should one talk about preps? I was the gun guy prepper um, of my friend group and my close friends have referred other normies to me. Pros. I've introduced other gun, uh, others to guns and philosophy of self-reliance cons that I've added myself as having supplies to a bunch of I'll-just-come-to-your-house normies. <laughs> I've become more quiet about it unless directly asked, but the damage is done. How do you approach discussing these things? Um, how do I approach discussing these things irresponsibly, historically? This is a hmm. question for you, I think. Well, I, I wouldn't even consider myself uh, like a part of the quote-unquote prepper community. I, I'm sure the actual prepper community would laugh at my quote-unquote preps. Um, that said, I'm sure I'm probably a little more prepared than the average person, the average normie. Um, I, and I know every time we talk about it, I have received similar emails. The first rule of prep club is you don't talk about prep about club. It, yeah. <laughs> and I get why, because if, if you're preparing for a worst case scenario, you don't want people knowing that you have all the supplies for the worst case scenario. Totally understand. That said, um, I kind of see the other side of this too. That is to say, What's better in a in a real disaster scenario, a situation where more of your neighbors are preparedness minded and actually prepared 
or a situation in which all of your neighbors aren't prepared at all and are going to have a war with each other, but you're the one guy sitting there in your kind of little mini kingdom eating uh, all of your your prepped candy bars down in your crawl space or something. Yep. I'm sure it's comfortable down there. Don't get me wrong. And you definitely want to be that guy instead of the people out warring in the streets over the candy bars that are left at the gas station. But I think that there's something to be said just for encouraging more people to to consider these eventualities and to be prepared for them. I think that's just more advantageous for everybody overall. If everybody kind of gets into it a little more, even just 5%, mm-hmm. that's so much better for your community than yeah. to be the one guy. Eventually, just trust me, word's going to get out, I guess, is my thinking, too. In an actual true, zombie yeah. apocalypse, someone's going to find out that you have some shit. They just are because people are going to be desperate. Mm-hmm. So I just don't think that secret is going to be kept that well that long. Anyway, anyway, it just depends on how much you trust these people and how much you care about community building because it is important. People will help you mm-hmm. if you help them, if you have a history of helping them. And I suppose there's a there's a middle ground here too. It's not either or. You can talk about the importance of preparedness without saying exactly what you have and where. You can just talk yeah. about the, fil- the <clears throat> philosophy and get people into base level supplies. It doesn't mean you have to tell them, here's where I have all this shit. A raving faggot says... If you could compose the government entirely from fictional characters, who would each of you choose for the various key positions? Ooh. Hmm. Uh, so uh, I guess a U.S. government. Well, that's hard because we'd have to have an entire legislature and, and stuff. But like president, fictional characters. Can I just adopt a lot of characters from the Jedi Council to serve in various positions? Oh, I forgot positions about throughout? film. That's what I was thinking, like movie characters. Oh, I was thinking about literature. Yeah, that's that's another route to go. Ugh. Can we come back to this? Um, we can. The only the only reason I pick the uh the Jedi Council, the various characters of it, except for that damn Anakin Skywalker and his betrayals. Um the, the a, a lot of those characters embody what I wish we had more of, which is sort of like the um the 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 warrior poet concept. You know, people who are physically powerful and dangerous, but very philosophically sound uh, and, and mm-hmm. thinkers on concepts of justice and, and understand the proper use of force. Um, if, if we had, if we had that people who are capable of incredible things, but understand the appropriate use of it, I think we'd be in a, a much better position. Who's handsome and ruthless. Um, Jack Donaghy from 30 rock. There we go. I don't know the character. I haven't seen the show. Sorry. We're going to have to do a sitcom review of the week. Yeah, really. Um, Dangerous Spaces. I want to get both your opinions on something. So the people fighting to protect the Second Amendment are, by definition, people that want to be legally allowed to own weapons. They are, again, by definition, basically people saying, showing that they want to follow the law. They wouldn't be fighting for their legal rights. They were just going to ignore the law anyway. From the other perspective, someone who is willing to commit a mass shooting is obviously not interested in following the law. So any new or stricter gun laws would be pointless. It makes no sense to think, uh, well, they may be willing to murder multiple people, but I'm sure they're morally opposed to breaking gun laws. So to me, stronger gun laws makes no sense because they punish the people willing to comply with said gun laws. And benefit the people willing to ignore them, of course. Also, given the self-defense function of guns, I would say this is a pretty unique situation. Mostly laws are, in theory, supposed to protect your average citizen, but this seems actively detrimental. What are your thoughts? Um, 
Yes. And I think that, that gun laws are by definition or by design are meant to um, make the average citizenry weaker. So I, I totally agree. I mean, it's it's so pointless. But we're all going to be made criminals by stricter gun laws. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I would agree with every premise here. So I, I don't have a lot to add beyond what you're writing, Dangerous Spaces. It's... um. It's just every time you even have the New York shooting that just happened, uh, whatever was that yesterday morning? It seems like mm-hmm. forever ago, but that dude looks crazy as hell. Uh, yeah, they they've already nuked his YouTube channel. I wanted to watch a few of his videos, Damn. but it's already Does 4chan gone. Have anything? I'm sure somebody has recovered some of those videos, so maybe I'll be able to check them out later. But yeah, you know, guy walks into the subway and just shoots people up, wearing drops a gas canister and is wearing a, some kind of gas mask. Mm-hmm. And just start shooting people up and you think, my God, you, the videos are out there. And it's like you have a whole bunch of people, all of whom are just trying to go to work or go about their daily business. None of whom have guns because they would be criminals. One, if they had guns on their hips and two, if they shot the guy who's attacking them, they would also be criminals. What's the effect? Right. The effect is a guy walking around shooting people indiscriminately and a whole bunch of good people who have no way to stop that guy because they'd be criminals if they did because they're complying with the law or they've been conditioned into that mindset in the way that dangerous spaces is describing. And, and it just sucks. It's like, okay. Uh, remember that? Um, well, it's if there were, if, if even a quarter of the people on that subway were armed and capable, that guy's put down in, maybe he gets one second, person, yeah. maybe he gets two, but he doesn't get 10 or however many he got. Yeah. I always think of that. You, you want a demonstration of how this works. I know we played it on the show, but for people who haven't who hadn't seen it, it happened a couple of years ago. Do you remember the the the, the Texas shooter? The Texas church, yeah, yeah. not the um, Williford one where the, he ran down the guy with the AR, but the one right. that's actually on camera in the yes. church. Dude yeah. is wearing a trench coat or something, whips out a shotgun and starts trying to shoot people, yeah. and he is put down in about two seconds so flat yeah. by a guy who sh- takes a pretty damn good shot at him from. I don't know, 15, 20 yards away. But even if that guy didn't land that shot as well as he did, the, remember there was a whole bunch of people ducking, moving through the pews yes, with guns in their hands. There were like yeah, five yeah, other guys ready, people, yeah. ready to drop him. And that's, that's all it takes. It doesn't even take, every, it, it's great if it's everybody, but it doesn't even take everybody. If you just had a couple guys on that subway who were trained and ready to go, but they'd be treated as criminals. It's, yes, uh, exactly. This is the situation we've cultivated. We're hunting them now, yeah. I can't believe he got away all night. Yeah, they got him this morning. They took him yeah. into custody. I haven't filed the story extremely He was on closely. the subway. He took the subway to Brooklyn and they got him this morning. It's like, seriously, went, you can't catch one took, crazy black guy? He took the subway home after <laughs> shooting people? <laughs> Later in the day, yeah. So he, he shot them, ran away, and then got on the subway again. He ran away in the tunnels. Then he hung out. Uh, in Manhattan for a little while, and then this morning he got on a train to Brooklyn. And that's how they got him. Yeah, he was back on the train, not I read shooting. One people. Daily Mail story. Okay, so I'll, I'll have to read about this. That's. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if that's accurate. But uh, Kelly says, "Blonde, how do you go about raising your daughter in the faith if your husband isn't really into it? My husband will go, but doesn't really engage in teaching the kids about faith at all. My twins um, were five pounds, seven ounces and five pounds, nine ounces born at 37 weeks. Now both are over 25 pounds at 14 months. Your brother's twins will be just fine. Oh, they're major chunk. 
That's good to hear. I think the boys are doing well, but I know it's hard on my brother and his wife because they have to go back and forth to the NICU maybe for like a month. Hmm. So, you know, keep them in your prayers, but everything seems to be going well. Um, My daughter's faith is like I've known that this was going to be my responsibility. Um, And like when I was worried I couldn't have kids and then I got pregnant, I, I would pray every day. Like if you give me a healthy child, like I will – take it upon myself to raise that child in the faith. And and so I I view that as as my duty, my responsibility. Um and I just don't I just don't share that aspect of parenting with my husband, which is okay. I mean, already some aspects of parenting are delineated by just uh gender norms. Like my husband's going to be the disciplinarian and things like that, and I'm just I'm the faith lady. So it's okay. <clears throat> And there, there is a lot of uh, there is a lot of truth to parents filling different roles, and it's not that mm-hmm. both can't fill this role, of course. But um, I mean, I noticed that already. It's like we're <laughs> we're trying to train our son to be comfortable with you know certain things and being without mom and all this, but it's like the second that she leaves and he looks at me like, "What the hell is this? Who the hell are you?" Yeah. As though he's never seen me before in his entire yeah, life. Yeah, and you yeah. can just tell it's like there's a there's a role of comfort that she fills that I just never will. Yeah. And I'm sure that that same um, concept applies to a lot of things yep, uh, yep. in general. So, you know, that that's why the team is so important, too. It's like whether it's faith or anything else, the two parents are going to bring vastly different but very important things to that child's upbringing. Exactly. Yeah. Mr. Ed says, what is your opinion on Lincoln? The more I learn about him without the propaganda, the more he looks like a tyrant. Uh, I need to do more learning like you're describing because uh, I... I kind of have the same impression that is to say we he's he's all he's always presented as the hero that maintained the union, kept the republic together and defeated slavery. And of course, um, of course, I think that ending slavery is a moral imperative and a a moral good. I wish we could see the the counterfactual or the case of history. How long would slavery have persisted without the Civil War? We'll never know. It was already Not very long. On it the it way wouldn't out. have persevered. It would have already been on the way out. There's no room for ingenuity in slavery. And um, and it and of course I can qualify all the moral problems with slavery, but there are moral problems with disrespecting and disregarding states' rights to run their own affairs as well. And a lot of that was trampled on to the extent that we went down there and burned all their shit to the ground. Yeah. So, yeah. And we don't have a voluntary union. We we don't. I mean, that's an interesting. Uh, uh, sometimes the question comes up too: um, if you could modify the Constitution or make changes, what would you do? Maybe it maybe it does need that. Maybe there should be like a peaceful opt out process outlined that has the weight of the law that has to be respected. Yeah. Because yeah. if you don't have that, then I think you're. I mean, you're, you're you're right. There's no way to leave. There's no way to walk away without having them come and get you. Exactly. Yep. That's probably a flaw. Um, anyway. Gilgamesh. Blonde and Matt, did you see that Trump endorsed Dr. Oz, the groomer? Dr. Groomer has been one of the first people to post transgender. He's pro-abortion red flag laws. Yes. Trump's endorsements have been erratic. This one, I, I didn't listen to his endorsement, so I don't know exactly what he said. Uh, and I have not followed Dr. Oz's campaign very closely, but I, I understand he's not pro-abortion. He has turned around just in time for his campaign and he is now pro-life. And I, 
you're allowed to change your mind. I have. All right. I'm not saying I'm not going to sit up here and pretend that I but have. You're not had like most, 60. Well, and I'm also not suddenly changing my mind in very convenient timing for a yeah. Senate campaign. Uh, I did watch his segment. I think I mentioned it on Sunday. You can go watch his segment on transgenderism and specifically transgender children from his show a few years ago. As I said, um, or I mentioned on Sunday, I wouldn't say that he was promoting it. He wasn't saying like, you should go change your child's gender right now, but he was certainly very intrigued to learn about how these uh, young people were changing their genders and what sort of process went along. It, 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 there was not a lot of critical questions asked. Let's put Yikes. it that way. Yikes. Um, what else? There was one other thing with Dr. Oz that people didn't like. I forget, but uh, I, I, I'm, I, I guess I, is it still a primary in Pennsylvania or is he going to be the Republican candidate? I don't know. Actually. Let me see. Uh, Republican Senate primary. Uh, Okay, Senate Republican primaries 2022. Who the hell are the candidates? What the? Oh, this is. Uh, this is thrilling listening as I scroll through here. Okay, Republican. Oh, there's a whole bunch of them. So there's a whole bunch of candidates. Dr. Oz is one of one, two, three, four, five, seven of them. Well, he's not super likable, so. This is the endorsement for the primary, I guess. That's weird. I don't know I don't anything know why about. Why do this? I don't know anything about these other candidates, but I'm willing to bet there's somebody better than Doctor Oz. I'll I'll draw a name out of the hat of these yeah. seven names. It's probably a better one. Okay. I think we all set. Yep. Okay. Uh, we'll give. Uh, let's check up on our chatters, and then uh, we'll call it a night. Thanks for the questions, guys. Again, uh, if you'd like to send an email question. Contact page of the website, mattchristensenmedia.com slash contact. Look for the call-in show question form. I promised I'd get back to Lindsey Graham's chat, which I am very late to. So my apologies for that, Mr. Senator. But uh, Lindsey says, Matt and I once crossed streams in the shower, which led to my total platonic reversal, destruction at the cellular level. To be clear, we did not make love. Also, Dim Fool is too clickbaity. Even for my taste, don't be a cuck. Embrace the white pill. That's a that's a shot at Tim. I take it. Uh, <laughs> crossing streams. I have not heard a good crossing streams joke yeah. for a while. Thank you for that, Lindsay. My apology for the delay. Um, are you good over there? Yeah. All right. Brazilian fat ass. Uh, the yellow and red light says we love screwing with Matt with Matt. Uh, yes, as in um, the the stream dropping for a little while. I would blame Susan, but there's because we stream to so many different platforms. There's an intermediary. There's a place that catches the stream and then distributes it to everywhere it goes. So yeah. Susan wouldn't be able to mess with the the feedback on my computer, but she would be able to mess with the feed from that intermediary. I, I don't know. Susan has her has her fingers in many different things, so maybe she's figured it out. That's a odd phrasing. Susan meddles with things. That's better. <laughs> Bain Coof propaganda is not necessary at this point. They just do it for sport. I think it's still necessary. People might end up waking up. I, um, it's gotten so bad, though, that that even a lot of news outlets are calling out the Joe Biden Putin's price hike bullshit and showing the chart of inflation. Yeah. 
Yeah. Uh, yeah, they're calling it Putin's price hike. Here's uh, where the invasion of Ukraine happened. And you'll note these like six months of record high inflation prior to that. Well, thank you. Thank yeah, you. We can at least the graph right there. At least we can agree that Putin's price <laughs> hike. We've if, you wonder what the threshold of bullshit that most establishment media outlets are willing to. Where's the threshold? Well, they'll where they'll they'll finally buck. It's the Putin price hike. That's where they finally said, OK, enough, <laughs> enough. Um, Rocky Mountain Monk, Mr. Obvious in the house. Hey, Mr. Obvious. Glad to see you back. Thank you. Um, Hillbilly Deluxe. Uh, Kentanji Brown is the pedo adjacent strong black whammon they want for the Supreme Court. Yes. I wonder why they did this. I think it might have been by design. Well, I would given the, the given the trend in the sentencing, um, which is real. I'm not saying it's right, but they are right that there have been lower sentences <laughs> for a lot of these child pornography offenders over the ex, over the last many years. I could believe that that was just. That wasn't deliberate choice and it was just kind of part of a broader trend among judges because a lot of them are doing this. If they didn't stand up there and all but give an affirmative defense. Yes, I did basically apologize to that one offender. Um, Yes, I will say that it's very, very easy and understandable to distribute thousands of child porn images in 15 minutes. Yes, I will minimize this as a serious issue if you ask me about it. If they had just stuck with the line... And I'm not saying I agree with it, but it's much more sensible. Listen, uh, because of X, because of X number of factors in the law and the changes in the way this has happened, judges overall, myself included, have tended to sentence on the lower end. Here's why. Here's why. Yeah. I, okay. Exactly. And you don't have to be like, well, you know, you never know when you might click around and just accidentally look at child porn for 15 minutes. Why did she elaborate? Like, you can't elaborate on what a woman is, but you're going to talk about why you did this. That's what gets my eyebrow raising a little bit in the way that you're talking about. I don't I wouldn't have to believe it's all some big pedophile conspiracy if they didn't make sort of affirmative pedophile friendly gestures in the process. I'll just never understand. They, they There was no need to do what they did and they still did. And nobody cares. Yeah. And then the, yeah. the, the political response is not enough Republican senators clapped. When she was confirmed. Why would I clap for someone who I don't want to be on the court? But also, why would I clap for someone who said, yeah, it's totally understandable if you consume a bunch of child porn? Yeah, I know. Or at least I shouldn't. I should be fair. She didn't say it's totally understandable, but she said that it's understandable and it happens to a degree that it should be a mitigating factor in your sentencing. Right, right. Um, Das Pooch. I'm normally with Blonde, but it it honestly seems like you don't want to try to see anything positive in, well, anything anymore. (laughs) More than a little nihilistic vibes. Come on, man. I know. I'm going through some personal stuff, okay? Way off. I'm sure that sounds uh, very unique to this particular time. (laughs) Things are extra bad right now. That's all. Yeah. Well, and in fairness, um, It's an extra bad time right now. I don't mean just for you. I mean, just for for everybody. It's hard to look uh, just for my own family. My our personal outlook is like I'm considering I'm considering this a coast year. All right. Like just try to get through what will hopefully be some political reconciliation in November. And maybe there can be some kind of turnaround. Then it's hard for me to say like, oh, yeah, the the next few months are going to be great. Inflation is transitory. Don't worry about it. And it's um, everybody's in the same spot, but I'm personally extremely frustrated right now to have tried to to do the right thing and to to save for X amount of years to put myself and our family in position to raise a family and to see what we have 
Number one, taken by the tax man. And number two, stolen from us in the form of inflation or devalued. It's hard to look at that and think like, oh, yeah, tomorrow's going to be awesome um, when you know that these people are actively working to make it worse than yesterday was. And but to a lot of the topics that we questions we get with faith um, and what you said earlier about maintaining faith despite struggle, that is kind of the point, too. It doesn't mean that it's right. It doesn't mean that it's just. But you sort of need times like this to remember why the good times are to be appreciated and so that you have proper perspective on them when they arrive. And they will come. They will be back. It's just, um, you know, we might have to walk over the bed of coals to to uh, to get there. But well, that's that's okay. Now to end on every generation has their fire to walk across, I suppose. Uh, And and to be fair. To be fair, compared to a lot of prior, compared to every prior generation, we really We've haven't had, had it that. easy. Yeah. We really haven't had that. So that doesn't mean that I endorse the corrupt powers that be. It just means that I'm going to try to maintain as much perspective on our struggles as I can and not uh, allow myself to be defeated by forces that are inferior to the evils of not just the past, but the recent past. Uh, also on uh, DLive, Gabe Lackman. Uh, thanks for supporting the show as well. Appreciate it. I think we're all set. I'll give it a quick refresh just to make sure I don't miss Lindsay or anybody else. Uh, we're good on YouTube. Yeah. Yep. Oh, there is one more. Um, he's back. Mike Hawk 420 blazing. DC has 2,500 light poles. How many yards of rope would be needed to string up all of the coexist bumper, all the coexist banners to show everyone that diversity is our strength? Well, I think if we just got those words out, See, that's the problem. People don't understand if we just coexisted, this would all work fine. Yeah. Uh, And diversity is our strength. If we all. I still see those around. You ever see those around unironically, the coexist bumper stickers? Oh, yeah, all the time. Oh, oh, nobody thought of that. Thank you. Oh, we we should just coexist. Nobody thought of that. Thank you. Genius. Put that person in the Oval Office. All right, uh, it's time to get the hell out of here. Thank you guys for hanging out with us tonight. As always, thank you for your calls. Thank you for your email questions. Thank you for your chats. Much appreciated. And thank you for listening later if you are listening on demand as well. And speaking of, um, you can listen back to any part of the show you may have missed. Head on over to the website, mattchristensenmedia.com. On the podcast page, you'll find the call-in show. Anything else show-related, also on the website, mattchristensenmedia.com. We'll be back Sunday with all the rest of the week's news. We'll see you then. Have a great night.